Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. You are now listening to the hottest true crime podcast in the streets. Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of Affirmative Murder, the Equal Opportunity True Crime Comedy Podcast. I am Alvin Williams, joined as always by my partner in true crime, Francel Evans. Oh, yes, wait a minute, Mr. Postman. Yeah, man, I'm the mailman, can't you tell, man? Gonna post What up? Not a thing, friend. How are you doing today? I'm doing good, man. Uh, day Sunday. Well, when we're recording this is Sunday. Yes, of course. Um, Hopefully, when you guys listen to this... Los Angeles Lakers will be champions. LeBron James will have his what? No, no, that's not a joke. <laughs> LeBron James it's will have his. It's serious. It's not a joke. His fourth NBA championship. Um, other than that, I have off Monday. When you guys listen to this, it's for Indigenous Peoples Day. Yeah, but for the purposes of getting the day off, yeah, it, it is Columbus Day. I'm how I'm celebrating me having a day off. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's, it's day off. It's day off day. Yeah. it's day off day, and it's a paid holiday. It's yes, day sir. off. It's day off day. Yeah. Uh, yes, uh, big celebrations on that end. Uh, I'm not going to get into the woes of the last game of the NBA Finals. Yeah. Um, uh, Polly, if you're listening to this, Kelly Olynyk has nothing to do with the Miami Heat's success, and so nobody cares. Is that who she's bringing up? Yeah, it's the only reason. Polly, Polly from the Murder Squad. Yeah. Doesn't know. Polly is a fan of. Uh, she went to Gonzaga. Okay. And Kelly went Olenek, to Gonzaga. Yeah. Kelly Olynyk went to mm-hmm. Gonzaga, so she's like. The only okay. person that went to Gonzaga on the floor is playing for Kelly the Miami Olenek. Heat. So I'm rooting for the Miami Heat. But wow. it was a heartbreaking loss, man. It was me and you watched the game. It was, yeah. it was, a, it was a great fight. Stressful, and it, very it, stressful. It, it, ended in, um, it ended in ended in heartbreak. Yeah. And then you got all the you know couch analysts and everything. I would have dunked it. I would have <laughs> shot the ball over five people. You know, that's why he'll never be Jordan. 
LeBron James made the right basketball play, and that's the end of the discussion. Yep. If you have been watching LeBron James for the last 17 years, he's we all knew he was going to pass the ball. <laughs> he's not Kobe Bryant. He's not Michael Jordan. We That's not his game. He's been playing his game for the last 17 years. <laughs> we all knew he was going to pass the ball. But it's that NBA player's job who makes $15 million a year to shoot a basketball. He considers himself a catch-and-shoot specialist. <laughs> he caught the ball and shot the ball wide open. The, ne- the nearest person was at Epcot, and he missed it by a mile. That's all I have to say about that. But if you're listening to this, you already know that it's, it's likely that LeBron James has figured out, figured out a way to win, even though Jimmy Butler is an assassin, and the word on the street is, in the conspiracy lanes, is that he might be the illegitimate son of Michael Jordan. But we'll get into that another time, Frank. This is not a sports <laughs> podcast. Yeah. But I've heard the rumors, and they are strong. I'm not saying I believe them, but there's a strong case to be made that Jimmy Butler might be the illegitimate son of Michael Jordan, which would explain his clutchness and his dog-like moves. Okay. Uh Anyway, in a, in a more sorry, in a, in a more serious lane, I'm going to jump into. Uh, I wanted to um, say uh, prayers and rest in peace to Malia Bass. Um, for anybody who follows our social media account, this has been a case I've been um, following since it happened about almost two months ago. Now, uh, Malia Bass, her her mother and her, bro- her mother's boyfriend uh, reported her missing. They put on this whole spectacle on television, crying and everything like that. And immediately after the news the news story came out, everybody kind of thought that. The guy's tears looked a little crocodilish. Mm-hmm. I saw the video and I believed the same thing, and I, so I proceeded, uh, continued to follow the case. And the case kind of went cold; it went silent. There was no new information coming out. And um, I've heard from some people that usually that means they're hu- they're hunkering down, and you know the detectives are keeping everything close to home. Mm-hmm. They don't want to let anything out. Yeah. And I believed that they, the parents, the mother and the boyfriend, were guilty. But it's been confirmed they've officially been arrested and conv- in charged with the murder of Malia Bass. Um, wow. I don't really can't really fathom what could bring you to death to your child. But Sad. the story initially was so fishy. She left the kid out at the playground and went into the house to make them some breakfast. The kid's two years old. How do you leave a child two years old at a playground? I mean, maybe an eight year old. Maybe. Right. Because the, the play, the thing, the, the playground looked to be about a you know, 50 to 75 yards away from their house, right? Mm-hmm. Not a two-year-old. You don't leave a two-year-old outside alone. You don't leave an eight-year-old outside alone, but at least right. an eight-year-old can go, I'm hungry too. I'll just come in I'll just come in with you, mom. Like they have the cognizant ability to go, I don't really want to be out here by myself. I'll come in with you. But not, again, the whole thing, playing. the whole thing was bullshit yeah. though. The whole thing it's was, a lie. Yeah. yeah, the whole thing was bullshit. So it doesn't, I'm not even trying to analyze what Malia Bass could have done if she was older because the whole thing was bullshit. I don't even know if she was ever at the playground. If they, I think they just killed her and took her out to a, like a marsh and left her out there. Um, what was, I didn't, I don't know the, I don't know the full details. Was the strangulation or what was it? That, that hasn't been released oh, yet. Okay. As far as All I know, right. uh, that was the kind of stuff I was looking for. They, uh, she, she was killed and I wasn't able to find like cause of death. Yeah. But I would assume it was some kind of, you know, strangulation or a beating gone too far type of situation. I don't really have the full details on that, but they found her out on a raft on like out wow. in like a like a man-made kind of creekish kind of thing, like a marsh. Mm. And again, if, if anybody if you just look up the um, Malia Bass case and you see the dude just crocodile tears, um, they're not believable. He, it, it just is really sad and it's so transparent. And it reminded me so much. It was like the reverse of the Chris Watts story because Chris Watts was just not no emotion. This was way too much emotion. And not to say you won't be emotional if your kid's missing, but it was so over the top, 
And if you really break down some of the stuff that he was saying, this is at a point where the girl was believed to just be missing. Yeah. And he was speaking like she was dead. Mm. She's gone. I can't believe she's gone. My baby. Da, 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 da. Um, so it was very fishy. Um, and it really broke my heart because she's such a cute little kid. And yeah. that, and that, not that that makes it more sad or, or anything like that, but it that's what gravitated me. Just this cute little chocolate girl. You know, she seemed kind of sassy. Her grandmother called her Tootie. You know, and she just looked like a, a cousin you'd see at a family event. You go to a family event and there's just like little kids running around. Yeah. You know, she looked like one of those at a family event I would go to. Whose kid is that? Oh, that's such and such. As, uh, she just had a, That's her kid. Yeah. You know, it, she looked like that. And, you know, even though I knew this was the case, it still broke my heart when the news is official that the last thing she saw was like these two people that were supposed to take care of her kill her. Yeah. So rest in peace to Malia Bass. Um, incredibly tragic situation. But... Um, I'm going to move on to some emails. Oh, before I do want to give my, I do want to, uh, give my condolences from me, you and affirmative murder podcast, um, about the shooting of the MTA driver, Marcus Parks. Oh, wow. Um, I actually have a thing about that. If you keep going. Okay. Yeah. I just wanted to give my condolences about the, the census killings that is happening in Baltimore city and also around the world. But, but since we live here, more importantly, Baltimore city, over an argument. Over an argument, and it's like... I think he didn't want to get off the bus at the last stop or something like it that. It was like he's like sold his bag, and then naturally, that's... Yeah, you somebody, chase. If you chase. Yeah. And then he was shot and killed tragically. Um, They had, I think his sons were on the news I saw that. yesterday, or mm-hmm. they was just... It's heartbreaking, man. It's, mom, that's tough. My man. mom knows him. Marcus, the, the, Marcus, the, Marcus, really? Marcus Parks? Yeah, Marcus Parks, Mom, yeah. She went to high school with him. Wow. Patterson High School. Yeah, so I just wanted to give my condolences. It, it's, that was very sad, man. Real tragic. Just somebody trying to do their job. Somebody on the clock. You fuck with them. Think you got an easy move. And yeah. then when they go to get their shit back, you cowardly, you know, shoot them. Yeah. And I believe it was two suspects or something like that. Yeah, absolutely. Rest in peace to Marcus Parks. Um, and rest in peace to anybody who's a, just a victim of senseless violence anywhere. But again, like you said, that kind of dominates the airwaves here because we're here. Yeah. And um, yeah, my mom knew that guy. She went to high school with him. And I think they kept in touch. Wow. As recently as within the last six months or so. Wow. So, yeah. Yeah, man. Sad stuff. A small world, sad stuff. Um, you know, just just prayers prayers and condolences to everybody. But um, we got a, a follow-up, friend. So I got a couple of emails I wanted to read. I, I debated on reading this one because I was like, I don't know if I want to keep this going. It's just like, man, do your thing. But my boy, listen, Kevin B., <laughs> You didn't clear anything up, man. We are left more confused than when you initially sent us an email, okay? So Kevin B. was a, a person who was a post... He, he works uh, uh, for... He's a post, postal worker. Yes. He's a postal worker in Virginia, I believe, or in the greater... Some kind of yeah. rural... He's a rural carrier, yeah. He's, yeah. he's a rural carrier. And he sent us a thing saying he drives his car from the passenger side. Yeah. So we just assumed he had some kind of Tokyo drift set up, like oh, your steering wheel's over there and the brakes and everything like that. So we just kind of let it be that. We were like, I don't know what it means exactly... But we had a picture of all his shit is just on the opposite side. Yeah. Now, Kevin, again, I'm not going to put all your information out there. I hope I got your state wrong because what you're doing looks flagrantly illegal, my, my guy. And it terrifies me. And I just I need a follow up email to really explain to me how this helps. Yeah. So Kevin, who is a postal worker and he uses his own car, folks, just, just listen. Hear me well when I say this. Apparently, he's a really lanky guy. He takes, he sits in his passenger seat. <laughs> he sits in his passenger seat, swings his left leg over the center console, and uses his left hand, uh, left arm, to steer the steering wheel and uses his left leg to control the gas and the brake from the driver's seat. All the stuff is on the driver's side of the car. Yeah. He sits in the passenger seat 
and is straddled between the center console and the passenger seat and drives his car that way. Kevin, man, I don't really understand how this helps you deliver the mail better, and I need a follow-up email once again. I'm sorry to keep bothering you this way, but we are left more confused than when this whole thing started. Yeah. I just assumed you had a Tokyo Drift setup, man. This is bananas. Are you Mr. Fantastic? I don't really understand. <laughs> do you have any insight? I don't have any insight, but I do have a couple questions. We use a couple terms that you probably don't know what they mean. Okay. But Kevin B is his name, right? Yeah. I need in, to know. Inside baseball. Okay. I need to know his setup. His setup. Because. Okay. I like that. Rural carriers and post and letter carriers are different. Oh, they are. It's different because how you it's different how for us in my station, the mail is put down differently. Okay. See, rural carriers put their flats in, flats are magazines, okay. newspapers. And okay. the DPS is mail that comes with us already in order. Oh, this is crazy. Okay. So cool. for, <laughs> rural carriers uh-huh. file everything in. Sure. Letter carriers, we only file in flats, but we just carry our DPS out to the street. Okay. So we have flats and and our and, and um the letter mail in our hand. Okay. They file everything in, so they can just pull out and they just they grab and go. It's it's much quicker. Okay. It's much an easier process. Is that the thing where it's like all folded together? It's so folded the together. Mail, the mail's yeah. inside and of the, the flats. magazine. Yeah, and they Got just it. they okay. take one by. But I need to know how his setup is because I didn't see any. I didn't see any of his flats. Okay. And his parcels. I don't know how his parcels are set up. So I, that's a couple questions I do. Okay. Uh, he knows to. you're speaking to us. Like, this is crazy. Yeah. This is so niche. <laughs> I, like, I don't really know what you said. Yeah. I kind of picked up just because yeah. of the words, flat, yeah. flat piece or whatever. Yeah. But somebody was like, okay, yeah, no, his, set, his setup. I need flats, to know. I need, yeah, DPS. I need to know. I need to know how, how he pulled down his route uh-huh. and how it was in order. Okay. Um, I just need to, I, I, that, just the pictures he sent us, I, don't, I just didn't see where the mail was and how he was. Now, I noticed that you didn't have any questions about him straddling his center console. Is that something that you do in a, in a daily thing of uh, your job? Well, we, I drive on the right-hand side. So. Oh, okay, cool. You, you, drive, <laughs> you drive the, the mail, official mail truck. Yes. Okay, cool. Never so, mind. So you don't go come across that type of situation? No. That's not your rig? No. I don't, is that a word you use? No, rig? that's not. Okay. No. <laughs> but I just, that, the pictures was wild. Yeah, it's crazy, yeah. right? I mean, I'm not crazy, right? That's, no, like, even, that's for, even for like a letter carrier in the field. You've never seen that, right? Never. Have. I've never I've never seen anybody drive a car that way. Yeah. Except maybe like Mr. Bean. Like yeah. but it's like a like a joke. It's a funny. That's crazy. That's nuts. Kevin, let us know what the deal is, man. We were left completely confused and That's we, very dangerous. Yes, Kevin. we love you, man. And, and and I'm sure you've become a master. He says <laughs> in the thing, I've become a master at this. And it's like, I don't know how much of a master you can really be at that, but right? But he probably doesn't even have to hit the gas. What do you think is a lot of downhill? Maybe. I just, he probably just do brakes. But I just don't trust one hand. I drive with one he doesn't, hand. He probably doesn't have it to turn that much. You're doing straight ahead most of the time. Is it, are these facts? When you do, when you do mounted routes, you're not, you're not doing a whole bunch of turning. You're oh. going up a whole block and his, his boxes, maybe do like 20 boxes. Oh, like on, then, a, on a, okay. On a whole then, street of yeah, houses. Yeah, and then you may have to turn once, but that's like once every couple houses. Though. Mm, okay. So I, I, I get I'm picture, how I'm picturing him like okay the mail route's done and then he continues to drive like that on the highway no, to just, get home. I'm sure he's popped back so yeah he drives like that back home. I don't no, know, man. man no. I was left so confused. No, man. no I get he it. He just does, does it when he's doing his route. Where's his route? And then he ready to go. You put him park, hop back over, and then you go about your business. Okay, all right. Okay. You think he's driving like that the whole time? I didn't know. I didn't know. I didn't, I, didn't know. <laughs> I, I didn't know. I was left so confused. I didn't know what was possible. Yeah, for I didn't this man. think that. <laughs> <laughs> It's nuts, though. Kevin, we it's love you, nuts. man. Shout out to you. Thanks for listening to the podcast. That left us stumped. <laughs> Me more so than Fran. Fran already kind of has you figured out. Yeah. He might have just answered a lot of the questions that I have, even. Because I just assumed you just start your day like that. No. he, You know, he when it's like, okay, time to load up the truck. The truck's loaded up with mail. Now I will proceed to my routes. No. And he drives like that even through lights no. and everything till he gets to his streets. Get to your first stop, then he probably then throws you do, his Then you over. do your maneuver? Yeah. Okay, cool. All right. <laughs>
<laughs> you thought he was driving stretches, the way there. But he stretches, get it, hop out, and then yeah. he's like, uh, throw that leg over the center console and, and just go straight. Yeah. One or two turns, light light turns. Yeah. He has some kind of knob on the wheel as well to help him grip the... I see that. Yeah. So that, make, that helps him with the one-handed driving. Yes. Grip the knob and then you can swing that thing. I always wanted to get one of those. Is that like just for handicapped people or... I, I believe so, but it's not just, I mean, you can put it on your car. Okay. It would definitely help you uh, swing that thing yeah. for sure. But I don't know, you know, do you make a lot of U-turns in your life? No. Yeah, you know, it's just, then it's Well, just yeah, I do when I go home. I do make it. I haven't okay. made a U-turn. Yeah, and then you could like bedazzle it. You can make it fly. No, it's too yeah. much. See, okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to, I don't know. I'm trying to give you some incentive to get it. Uh, another email we got is um, from a Saskatchewan fan. Um, the the Because the story you did last week was about uh, Kevin... Uh, the the Asian gentleman who uh, uh, beheaded the man on the bus. Yeah. Um, that story that, sto- that story took place in, in Saskatchewan. Yeah. And we got a letter saying, I came I came to hear you from MFM, and I'm so pleased that I did. Thanks for coming. Yeah, man. We dropped that six-figure check on Karen in Georgia, and that's really paid off. Man. Yeah. I mean, I had to put my house on. I had to mortgage the house, but it, it seems to have really been paying off. Yeah. In emails. No, no financial gain so I far. I didn't want to lose my car, so I'm glad. Yeah, no financial gain so far, but like just straight up uh, recognition. Yeah. I mean, it's gone through the, the roof. roof. Yeah. And with that, the money has to come at some point. At some point. I hope, because yeah. the, the third notice has come in and that they want their money. Yeah. So I hope so, because Kevin B., I'm trying to get out the post office, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Let's, let's hope let's hope let's hope that ad money paid off. Uh, uh, so anyway, she says she came here from MFM. And she's so pleased that she did. I've been listening to old episodes from 21. Where are the earlier? Uh, let me tell you something. Mm, you uh, don't want to know. Yeah, let me tell you something. Uh, Brownwin, Brownwin, Bronwin, Bronwin, Bronny. Listen, Bronny, Bronny. There, we are not very happy with those episodes. If you feel so inclined to hear the episodes before episode 21, they are behind a Patreon wall, hidden, locked away in a vault. Of yeah. shame, and you can just binge them all in a month, and then leave, quit, feel free. You know, if that's what you all you yeah. want to hear, but you don't have to. You don't have to. We're not. I mean, there's other <laughs> stuff on the Patreon that we yeah. we welcome you to listen to besides that, yeah. but that is there as well. But we don't listen to it. Good please God. don't. Oh my God, please don't. <laughs> don't don't worry about where they are. As a matter of fact, forget what I just said. They're nowhere. They don't exist anymore, Brownie. <laughs> they don't exist. Don't worry about it. Anyway, I'll continue her email. Uh, she says uh, she's been keeping up with the new ones. I love your friendship. And how you give each other shit one second and they're super supportive the next. When I heard Fran say Saskatchewan, I had to write in. Mm. I have nothing particular to share, but was thrilled that your voices came to my home and mentioned my home. You both are great and I appreciate your humor and passion for the subject. Fran, I know you love Reese's, but you have to try Canadian Kit Kats. Mm. I'll see if I can send you some. Please. Alvin, I'll make sure. You don't have to send Alvin I'll make sure to write your name on some. You don't have to send him anything. Send them all to me. It's already in written, and I've said it on the microphone. Some, my name will be on something. She's still going to hear it, so. Another middle-aged white woman who adores you both, Bron- Bronwyn. I hope I'm saying that right. Yeah. I usually get, I'm usually pretty good with names. Mm-hmm. Bronwyn. Hope, that's, I don't know any way I could have gotten that wrong. Thank you, Bronwyn, and much love yes. to you. Now, here's a little email that's particular to me and my fancies. Oh, this one go. brought me much joy, and I'm all for everything I'm about to read. <clears throat> Uh, make sure. Uh, yes, the the subject is hi, new listener, big fan, burning through your episodes and learning something new every time. Thanks. Thanks for the laughs and the education. Again, don't listen to this podcast for education unless you just want to learn what it's like to be two black dudes in America. I guess we're. Yeah, I dropped out of those, college, so yeah, we're dropping those gems all the time. I guess. Um, number one, 
black people use rags. I've heard that white people don't really use wash rags in the shower. Use the hands. Yeah, or some kind of body lathering soap, or maybe um, white women anyway. Um, the little loofah thing. Okay. The little squish, squishy, scrunchy thing. Yeah, that's what I use. But white men, no rag. Ugh. Bar soap, straight up the butt, all that kind of stuff. Ugh. And these are the differentiators between black and white. These are these are the um intrinsic differences in cultures and races. These are kind of things that you know you know uh you know uh you know black people. Do this. White people do that. That's one thing I've come to learn as I've gotten older and really for a long time is that when I go over to my Caucasian friends' homes, maybe to sleep over or go on a weekend vacation, I go, are there any washcloths in the in the thing? And they go, I mean, we have some face face rags, you know, in there, you know, and I'm like, they're like, what do you need that for? When I'm like about to go shower, like, what do you need that for? You got to wash your face. I'm like, <laughs> you know, to shower with and you, yeah. go, you just go, oh, people think that's crazy. Yeah, they go, oh, OK, well. I mean, yeah, use the face rag, I guess. Yeah, people think that's good. <laughs> They're like looking at me like I'm weird. Yeah. So, you know, but uh, that, I think that's just a cultural thing. Hmm. So I guess if we've taught you. But people still use bars of soap? Oh, uh, yeah. Speaking of, I, I do. we got some bars of soap in the mail. I will read the letter in a second after I finish this email because this right here is right up my alley. Okay. And then we'll get to the thanks for the um, the mail that we, uh, the post that we got. Um, but so that's the header, right? So she's thanking us for the education. And now you just got another gym. Wash rags. They're very efficient. I don't understand. Don't put the raw bar soap up your butt. Yeah, please don't. Uh, other people come in and shower. They want to use that too. You know, maybe there's a, maybe they're using shower gel. But I'm I'm talking about bars of soap as in like you use a bar of soap just to you throw it on your body. Rub it, scrub it all. I over use you. a bar of soap to put R- it on lather, the wash. Lather the rag. Yeah, but bars of soap just throwing it just, just raw. The way you wash your hands, you wash yeah. your body. I don't. Hey man, listen. Put it between your butt and stuff. That's crazy. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> but so uh, the email says, just finish your episode one forty four and heard your discussion about big funeral. Okay. Caution. Plug approaching. I recently started working for a company that well turned you into a tree. Thought you might be interested. No. Poss- possible sponsorship opportunity. Promo code murder tree. Love the show. Be well, Liz. Liz works for, I'm not going to give a plug right now because I would love to have a, a shirts, uh, you know, a, a plot already set aside for me as far as advertising goes. Liz works for Better Place Forests and they turn you into a fucking tree, man. It's nuts. It's, it, it seems to be. Wait, pre- is it better? What is it called? Better Place Forests. Forests. Yes. Oh, okay. Because it's, it's like a funeral. It's like a graveyard of trees. Oh, okay. But it's not a graveyard. It's just a beautiful forest of trees and they all have like little plots with oh. your name and everything. And like, you're, this is your tree. I thought it was like a play on words or something. Better place forests. I don't see the pun there. It looks like a better place for us or something like that. Oh, okay. Yeah. Possibly. Yeah. Liz, let us know if Fran's <laughs> on to something. But it's better place for us. Shout out to them. Again, I went over and look, I looked at some of the plots. There's like three different tiers for, you know, levels. Yeah. Um, Let me go ahead and just shit. Fuck it. I'll just read a couple. Yeah, let me see. I want to uh, know. Let me see pricing. Yeah, man. Let me, let, let, let me try to turn you over this. So next, first up is the heritage tree. Okay. That's 59 hundo. Right, Damn. you get up to a twenty-inch diameter uh, placard. You get, uh, you get a beside a peaceful seasonal creek. That's where the tree will be placed, and you get fifty impact trees planted. So you get your own little forest, hmm. right? The next package, which is the most popular, legacy tree. This one, eighty-nine hundo. Now, just a casket alone will cost you. You can, can run you up to ten grand just yeah. for a casket. Mm-hmm. This is the whole ceremony, eighty-nine hundred. Uh, you get two ceremonies. You get a 30-inch in diameter placard. You get an intimate grove. So you get a nice little forest. Your family can come and like have a picnic where your uh, remains reside. Mm-hmm. And they plant 200 impact trees. So you get you a nice wide berth of trees and foliage around. Do the plaque goes on your tree? 
I think it goes on the, oh, the okay. first the tree, tree, the established gotcha. tree. Okay. Uh, number three, this is the highest tier. This is the monument tree. Mm-hmm. This is this will cost you 13 racks. Mm. Okay. You get a 40 inch in diameter placard. So nice, big words. You could probably put some extra shit on there besides your name. You get an unobstructed view of mountains. Mm. And you get 400 trees planted. That's a goddamn forest, Frank. Yeah. Come on. You, is this gated off? I don't know all those details. Oh. Liz will get back to me when we figure out the sponsorship. I don't know about details, that, man. And I get my plot set aside for the future and all that. You know, we'll get all that um, free of charge, I assume. And if you want one as well for the sponsorship opportunity, we'll yeah. both get two free forests and yeah. we'll get those. If it's gated off, it's some type of security. Don't be elitist, friend. You don't, you don't, need, want to a, you don't need to live in a gate. nobody coming there you don't like. And cut the trees down yeah. Christmas time? Yeah. Man, that's that's fucked up. That's, a good That's possible, though. But yeah, I just thought that was cool. I, I, I do still um, have much interest in um, when I make my transition, maybe becoming a tree. That is something I'm not against it. I just don't like the idea. Yeah, man. At least you don't got to worry about somebody uh, tricking your family and your body not being under the grave, like you said. You know? yeah. well, I mean, somebody can chop down a tree. That's a good point. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we got, um, we got uh, a mail. Yep. So sent to the P.O. box. It was very cool. Um, and I had, here's a, uh, it came with a card. Yes. I want to read the card really quick, and then we're going to take a break and we get into the fucked up shit. So, and, and I also got to do the um, shout outs. Yeah. So the card says, hi, Fran and Alvin. I just discovered your podcast, and I love it. I can't stop listening. I left behind a career in journalism in D.C., and now just dick around writing mysteries and making soap. Mm. Uh, these that sounds are, fun, man. I'm sorry. Right? You just can just drop everything and just follow your hobbies. Yes. Yeah, I would love to do that with this podcast. But again, um, the final notices are coming in and they're starting to use like curse words and stuff. Yeah. So like I would see love your it. ass on the street. Yeah. You yeah. know, I, we want our fucking money. And yeah. I've never seen that on like a piece of like legal mail. It's pretty crazy. Um, uh, the, the, the letter goes on to say, these are true crime soaps for each of you. The scent is kumquat and blood orange. Mm. Yeah, it smelled very good. Yes. I uh, hope you enjoy. It's a small way to give back and also a little, mm, a little of, oh, Jesus, and also a bribe. Got it. Okay, it's cursive. It's the cursive. Yeah. Uh, it's And it's also a bribe. Uh, if you haven't done it yet, please do the latest Kriggy Murders of Rehobit, Robit Wom. Mm, I'm sorry. I just really don't know what that says. Uh, it is a fucked up. It is it is fucked up shit in the history. It is the most fucked up shit in the history of crime. Also, it took place in D.C. I haven't listened to all episodes of uh, uh, episodes. So, whew, so my bad if you if you did it. Love and peace to you. I don't that name. Eamon Bean. <laughs> it definitely isn't. The 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 name on the the name on the mail didn't say that. I don't have the box in front of me. Um but it, just made up it looks like Eamon Bean. I don't mind saying the first and last name because I know that's not what it is. But it looks like Eamon Beans. Uh to the person, the lovely person who sent us the kumquat and blood orange soap. Thank you so yeah, much. Yeah, thank you so much. I, will, I love I will continue to study this um, card and figure out what case sh- this person is referring to. Yeah. And shout out to their, I wish you would have given me some kind of plug or something. If you sell these on Instagram or something, I would have definitely shouted it out. But um, the soap has a gun yep. wedged in it. And uh, I will be using that on a rag. Yeah. And lathering it on a rag. I won't be yeah. stuffing, shuffing a, a, gun, a gun up my butt. People, are, we have a lot of talented uh, listeners. Yeah, man. man, just making shit, man. Please, if, if, you, if you have any kind of, you haven't pursued a dream and you want to get us, you know, uh, 
to be your test rabbits and you feel like making us some art or anything like that, feel free to make it and send it to the PL box. Yeah. Uh, you know, and we'd greatly appreciate it and we, we cherish it. And I'm going to use that soap until it's just the gun left. And then I'll probably toss the gun. Cause again, I don't really want to rub gun on my body. feels like that's bad omens. But uh, Fran, we got yeah. some celebrating to do, of course, okay. before we take a quick break. Uh, let me pull up this, you know, the celebration music. All right. This is this is a little more brief, not a ton, but always any Patreon supporters that we get, we greatly appreciate and we thank you. Uh, up first, we got Melissa M. Shout out to you. Thank you for joining. We greatly appreciate you. Next up, we got PJ. Shout out to you. No, again, no last name. I'm assuming maybe the J is the last name. Shout yeah. out to you. Uh, also, we got Maggie Derrick. I'm going to use her whole name because she actually uh, is the person that created the art of me and you. The, yeah. Yeah. She, she, love she drew that. That was amazing. We love you. Go follow her Instagram account. She does great stuff. She has this kind of uh, uh, zine kind of uh, ongoing story that mm -hmm. she's doing with all these different characters that she's uh, creating and everything like that. And it's super awesome. Yeah, and she's dope. incredibly talented. So look up Maggie Derrick on Instagram and follow her. Up next, we got Ariel E. Shout out to you, Ariel Shout E. Shout out. Um, uh, much thanks for the support. And we, we thank we uh, we thank you greatly. Up next we got Henrito. Oh, Hola, oh, no, Henrito. oh, oh, oh we got we got we got to take it we got to take a second because that's 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 the fan. We got yeah. Shout out to Henry. Shout out to Henry. We appreciate you, Henry. My guy. Yeah, Henry uh, is, is a longtime friend of not only the show but just of life in general. Uh, thank you, Henry, for the support. You didn't have to do that, my guy, but we appreciate you and we see you. Uh, up next, we got Nikki P. Shout out to you, Nikki P. Nikki Greatly P. appreciated you. Um, Nikki P's been around for a while. She's been on the Facebook group. She's very supportive, and we thank her for always listening and being supportive. Uh, up next, we got Catherine H. Shout out to you, Catherine H. Thank you very much. We appreciate it. And, and lastly, we have Christina M. Shout out to Christina M. Um, we thank not only you, but everybody that I've named. It, 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 again, it, listen, just a, a round of applause. We appreciate every single person that's joined the Patreon, every single person that just listens to the show, whether it's on Patreon or not. We appreciate you all. You guys are amazing. Incredibly amazing, and we thank you, man. Um, but what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break. Um, also, before, before, before I go, I'm not going to play the song, but because we just did that whole thing and it was time to get into the fucked up shit, I just found out about this band called Meet Me at the Altar. Instead of AT, it's the uh, the Twitter at. Okay. Um, they do, they all look like, it's an all-girl band. The front woman is a, a young black girl. And they do pop punk. But like 06 pop punk music. You know, like, mm. like Paramore, like Panic at the Disco, like Fall Out Boy. And I just think it's so cool to see that. Now, I don't know if pop, I usually just listen to pop punk for, pop punk for nostalgia's sake. Like I'll listen to, you know, that riot, that first Paramore album, or yeah. I listen like the From Under the Cork Tree, or any of those kind of albums, or the Panic at the Disco album. I I wish they would have been around when the era was at its height. Yeah, but they might be bringing it. They might be. It might be coming back around. I don't know. You know, they might be ushering in the second wave of pop punk. Again, this band is called Meet Me at the Altar. Uh, they are awesome. I love their energy. I love that it's led by this black girl with braids and their pink braids, and she's mm. jumping around and singing really good, and it's just really fun music. I just wanted to give them a shout out because it's just really it's it's the same thing when you when, like when you see Black Panther, when you see this, when you see that, when you see representation, and you see people who look like you doing something that you didn't really think we had, you know, a placehold in the scene, like Old Town Road. Like Old Town Road, even you yeah. know, we, you know that whole debate about is it a country song, is it not? And that dude Lil Nas X is blown up beyond belief, you yeah. know. And I think it was a little bit of trolling involved in that. I think we can all recognize now at the end of the day, like 
it wasn't a country song. You know, it was like he was doing a country twang, but yeah. it, was, it was a rap song. But at the time, you couldn't tell me when I heard that the country music scene was like bashing him. I was like, yeah. "Fuck that! You don't don't discriminate against." <laughs> I was yeah. riding for him, but now in hindsight, it's like it was like a hip hop kind of parody. So it was like a Weird Al Yankovic kind of song, but it was a fun song and everybody yeah. loved it. This is not a parody in any kind of way. It's just fun music. I think it would have been way more successful in 2006, 2007, though, because it really it really just it really sounds so much like that scene. Mm -hmm. And maybe again, like maybe they've been signed by Fuel by Ramen, which is Fall Out Boy's label. Okay, shout out to Pete Wentz. We still haven't acquired. He he's he's an elusive care, fish, man. Doesn't get it. I'm not giving up, friend. I'm not giving up. But again, shout out to Meet Me at the <laughs> Altar. Um, I wish them great success, you know, and I hope when this pandemic's all over, maybe I can catch them at a show. What we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to get into the fucked up shit. So stick around. Welcome back. My affirmative murder this week is the story of Joaquin Marietta. Joaquin Marietta. Yeah. Like Have that. you heard this story before? No, I like that name, though. That's good. I'm glad you haven't heard this story. I love doing, I love when it's one of those weeks where it's like, you haven't heard the story, or I yeah. haven't heard the story. Mm -hmm. Just builds the excitement, and it's like, now it's like, oh, yeah. For sure, now you can, really, you can really tell a tale. Yeah, yeah. Um, so my sources, I got to be, make sure I put this out here, because um, I was up until like 2 in the morning last night doing this story. Nice. Had to, yeah, so uh, my sources was a YouTube channel called Biographics. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's a great channel. I subscribed to them on YouTube. So it's a... Um, Bi bi biography channel that introduces you to people who change the world for uh, better or for worse. Okay. So let's get into it. So before we get into the meat of Joaquin Marietta's life story, it helps to know a bit of the background of on the history of California and the political situation at the time. Mm. It all started in 1542. A oh. Spanish explorer named Juan Rodriguez Cabrillo into San, Di into San Diego Bay <clears throat> and dubbed the new land Alta California. Okay. Of course, the Native Americans were already living on this land that everyone called the New World. Yeah. And the Spanish did not bother to establish their first permanent colony until 1769 called San Diego. Mm -hmm. The state of California was split up into four military districts or um, pre presidios. Um, a group of Spanish officers were giving a huge was given huge plots of land for their ranches. These were called the rancheros. Mexico was also occupied by the Spanish at the time. Like, so, wait, so so rancheros, is that where huevos rancheros came from? Possibly. Hmm. Interesting. Yep. Um. So Mexico. Um. I mean, somebody would let it. I'm sure somebody would let it. Yeah. Know. Somebody let us know yeah. if you know any of the uh, what where are the name huevos rancheros is that derives from these rancheros in in California. Please, yeah. I would love to know that. So Mexico was all was also occupied by the Spanish at the time. So hundreds of people walked from Mexico City all the way up to San Diego, California, mm -hmm. in order to work at these ranches. From 1769 to 1833, a total of 21 Spanish missions, which were built to attempt converting Native Americans to Christianity. As, as the time went on, more and more Spanish settlements sprung up, sprung up around these missions, and more immigrants came from Mexico to establish colonies. In 1821, California gained their independence from Spanish as a Mexi as a Mexican territory, uh, but they but that victory was short lived. The Mexican American War raged on from 1846 to 1848. When the war was over, the territory now belonged to guess the United States. Shocker! <laughs> there was a rumor that California was filled with gold. And as the new victors of this massive territory, the Americans did not waste any time making sure they claimed it for all the claimed it all for themselves. Oh, yeah. 
Shocking. They took all the good land, too. That's the whole thing. That's the whole um, argument and everything about yeah. the California-Mexico thing is that California was once Mexico, but California took all the land that's, like, right for sowing and growing things mm-hmm. and all the cool beaches. and all yeah. Even though Mexico has a lot of beautiful beaches. Yeah. They just took all the prime real estate, of really. Course. And 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 uh, so it's really hard to grow things in Mexico. And now avocados are starting to grow and became popular over the last, like, decade. Mm-hmm. And it's created a fucking uh, uh, cartel-like war for avocados. There's actually a That's lot so. of bloodshed over avocados, man. I don't yeah. know why. Well, be- yes, I know that you don't like avocados, <laughs> but due to great marketing, the avocado is like the hottest, I think it's a fruit, the hottest fruit on the market right now. And so over in Mexico, they're taking over farms and, and burning crops so they can have yeah. enough space. Because you can only grow avocado. You can't grow avocados next to anything. And it's created this whole kind of crazy war. And yeah. meanwhile, you look over in California and they're like, yeah, we're just over here growing cal- uh, avocados. Everything's great. I made a million dollars this month and yeah. everything's great. And over in Mexico, it's like fucking bloodshed. People burning farms down, wars. You're not allowed to grow avocados. You're cutting into our profit. That's crazy. It's really fucking wild. I think it's a bit overrated, but personal opinion. <clears throat> I, I have nothing to say, man. I, you either you either like it or you don't. Yeah. You know, but it doesn't is, taste like anything. Does though, man. It tastes like creamy goodness. I guess. And then you can put all kind of stuff in it, and that brings out the flavor. Oh. Guacamole is delicious, man. It's not just avocados; it's tomatoes and mm-hmm. sometimes jalapenos and lime juice and all that stuff blended together in a nice little creamy uh, dip. It's great. No, I don't like it. Um. So yeah. So they won that war and goes. You know, we're taking all this. Yeah, all the we gold. Just, we're just gonna take all, all this. So early, the early life. Um, not much is known about that. Um, but we do know, aside from the fact that he was a Baptist in the Catholic church, he was baptized in the Catholic church in 1830. Mm-hmm. It is likely that he grew up working with his family, for one of the rancheros. Joaquin. Joaquin. Yep. But he, but he was ambitious and wanted to become a rich man. Mm-hmm. So when he was just 18 years old, he and his young wife went to live on their own in the mountains so they could, so they could search for gold. Mm. This was years before men were traveling from around the world to become part of California's gold rush. 49ers. Yep. He would have been one of the very first Mexican men to discover the gold. He kept it quiet, only telling his wife and brother about his discovery. Mm. Smart man. Yes. We have no way of knowing how much money he was making by prospecting gold, but there was a rumor and speculation that spread later on Um. That spread later on than some of the early miners were finding upwards of $300 a day. Mm. And that's before modern inflation. Joaquin and his wife would have been very happy. Would have been very, would have been very happy saving up as much money as they could before starting a family. Sure. In 1848, the war was over. The United States won the California territory. Mm -hmm. That same year, gold was discovered by a Swiss pioneer named John Souter. And thus, the great California gold rush began. Yep. Men traveled from all over the world um, to trying to make it rich. The American government wanted more people to settle in the new territory mm-hmm. and, the mine, and, and mine the gold so they could begin to revive the U.S. economy. Mm-hmm. They didn't waste any time at all letting people know that there was a gold, that there was gold in California. Even went to the extent to over-exaggerate how much money could potentially be made. Yep. We are not sure exactly how, much, how, how many men moved there. The estimates are around 300,000 new immigrants from the United States and Europe. Mm -hmm. The only problem, of course, was the fact that Mexican men had already been mining the gold decades before the Americans got there. They made it seem like 
We just found all this gold and there's nobody lives there. It's just empty. Come on. <laughs> of course they did. <laughs> uh, so one day, Joaquin Marietta and his wife were approached by a group of Mexican, I mean, a group of American men. They informed him that Mexico had lost the war and demanded they did give up his gold, his gold mine. You guys lost, so we get to take whatever you guys have. And that's wild. Y'all just go about your business. Like, but I have this, uh, these documents, and and I, I own this. Well, we we own this document doesn't matter anymore because we, <laughs> we own, own it. all it. Yeah, so your document doesn't matter. Shh, ripped it. Yep. So of course, so he refused. Of course, since this was his home and their family's entire fortune. For sure. So these men grabbed Joaquin Marietta and yep. tied him to a chair. Uh-huh. They forced him to watch as they tortured and abused his wife God in damn. front of him. Then they killed her and left Marietta alone in his grief. God damn. This 18 year old boy was still tied to the chair. 18. Mm-hmm. 18 year old boy was still tied to the chair as these men galloped away, taking, taking his entire life savings with them. Mm. Eventually, he managed to undo the knots from around his waist, from around his wrist, and buried his wife. Within just a few moments, this group of men took everything he had worked hard for and has left him with nothing. Mm. Problems in paradise, heartbroken and traumatized, teenage Joaquin Marietta had no choice but to return home to return to his hometown empty-handed. He had expected to return to his family triumphant in the riches he had, he had found, but now he had nothing left to his name. When he arrived, he saw that the village had been transformed in a short period of time. American men were now living there, and, and, the, Native Amer- and the Native Mexican people had been um, subservient in order to avoid confrontation. Mm. He soon learned that, um, that he was not alone in the abuse that he had endured. After all, this was the Wild West, and there were few options for Mexican people to revive, to receive any kind of help from the law enforcement. Yeah. In minds of Americans, they were, they were the victors of the war, and that gave them the right to the land. Even, in Mex- even if Mexican families had been living there near the Ranchero and missions Hun- for decades. Hundreds of years. That's, it's crazy, man. These- uh, colonizers mentality, man. It's like you come, you... you, you- <clears throat> You take if you win you it's the victor to the victor go the spoils yeah man. like if you win the fight even though we weren't looking for a fight I just live here yeah I I I wasn't if there's only if a one sided war isn't a war right you come through on horseback with guns and you're like let's fight and everybody goes I'm a milk I'm I I milk cows for a living it's like, okay well you're dead kill you murder you da 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 hey guys we won it's like no you just massacred a bunch of people yeah and stole their land yeah. That's not a war. That's not a war. The war they created, and then well, we won this war that yeah. we created. That th- we wasn't fighting back. Yeah. And now you just take everything we have. So many of these Americans, these American men, were also veterans, and to some, if didn't, it didn't matter if these Mexican people were civilians, they were still considered the enemy. Mm-hmm. Joaquin Marietta knew that if he wanted to survive, he would need to integrate into the new society that was being put in front of him. Yeah. He began working as a car dealer at a local. S- a local saloon for the cowboys who were looking to play blackjack and poker. You got something to say? Well, no, I just oh. going to, because you, you spoke about it earlier, but this is just another example, man. It's like the whole idea of assimilation, right? So yeah. that's what they were doing with those Native Americans, right? It was forced assimilation. Yeah. It's like, we won't kill you if you put on a suit, cut that braid off your hair, and fucking worship Jesus Christ. Yeah. Those people, they didn't want to do that. And because of that, Native American people lost so much of their history and their culture and, you know, tablets and, yeah. and, and ancient, uh, you know, writings because they were forced to assimilate and abandon their religion and their culture yep. in order to not be murdered. And then this dude 
he just like he like went to do the uh there will be blood which is a great movie and like oh we're gonna get a gold mine and become successful and now he's a fucking car dealer for a bunch of cowboys so they don't kill him yeah that's crazy just so he can say a lot just so it's like i'll be you guys's little card bitch and yep. you guys can laugh at me and throw whiskey on me yeah and, yep. you know because i'm being respectful to him yeah like i'm about to like right now it says but even though he tried to keep his head down he was still constantly harassed by the white men yeah over the next two years the situation only grew worse for mexican americans living in california after the compromise of 1850 california was bringing a lot of new money into the u.s economy and its population was large enough to officially declare it a state the same year california legislation passed the foreign miners act which charged men 20 a month in taxes to anyone who wanted to to uh, mine gold. Mm. With modern inflation, that was more likely it was more like roughly a thousand a month, and it made it far too expensive for your average worker to actually make a living. Mm-hmm. This called this caused gold miners to revolt, and many men become desperate for money. And these was, and this was a lot of tension in local communities. More and more white men began resorting to stealing from the Mexicans in order to make ends meet. Eventually, the government. Um, could see that their tax laws were only causing chaos, so they exempt all free white men from being considered foreigners, even if they were European immigrants. Damn. Always get the benefit. Always get the benefit. They also reduced the tax from $20 down to more reasonable $3 a month. There were far more entrepreneurs who were able to make a fortune from selling products to gold prospects, to gold prospectors, Mm -hmm. um, instead of having the get-rich-quick mindset. Mm -hmm. For example... Um, Levi Denim Company began because of the founder, Levi Strauss, was able to sell pants to pro- prospectors who kept getting holes in their clothes. Of course, the company still exists today and is now valued at $6.6 billion. Yep. Wow. Gen- generational wealth. Wow. On the backs of a massacre. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, many but of- that's also funny that... That's the thing. Like That's also happening in podcasting on a small level where yeah. it's like people have already made the big time bucks. People will continue to make big money from podcasting. Yeah. But you gotta you gotta have the backing and the money to really withstand the the, the growing stage yeah. and get your name out there, right? So when the gold mines were first started getting hit, people were making money. But then once the system comes in around and they start going like, we, we're taxing you to do this, and yeah. all this kind of stuff. But there's not as much gold in there as there was. Right. So now what happens is you get three or four people Top. who have the money to pay yeah. the thing and, and whatever yeah. and just get all the gold because an yeah. average dude can't go in and pay the tax and go get gold. Yeah. So once the big corporation is formed around the thing, the money for the little guys is gone. Yeah. But then you got these people outside like, this is the best gold digging pickaxe in the world. Yeah. I'm fucking Kevin Duluth. And yeah. it's like, Duluth is worth $7 billion now. In <laughs> you the get, you got holes in your pants from doing too much digging? Yeah. I, get I, these I make more digging, pants. Digging jeans. I'm Kevin Levi. That shit his name is, is wild, man. Shit, man. Um, so many of many of the men traveled for the gold rush died from disease or left uh, penniless. Just like Levi Strauss and his trousers, entrepreneurs were making much more money than gold prospectors. Mm-hmm. Mexican businesses on business owners were able to make loads of money from the tourists coming through the town. Even though Joaquin Marietta had lost everything, he was still ambitious. His brother was also clever and business savvy. So he was able to earn enough money to purchase a beautiful horse. Back then, having a high-quality horse was like driving a luxury sports car. Mm. It was a sign of wealth and status. So when the Americans noticed a Mexican riding one, they were incredibly jealous, and especially, and especially since they were struggling to make it um, rich in the gold rush, they couldn't believe that a Mexican man was actually, 
actually afford it. And they hated Ray back then? What does that sound like? So they accused Joaquin's brother of being a horse thief. Back then, being a horse thief was extremely was an extreme extremely serious crime punishable by death. Damn. A horse. I mean, I'm not, you know. Yeah, horses are cool and everything, yeah, but, but uh, to murder your person? Damn. Crazy. So Joaquin Marietta tried to defend his brother, saying that he had purchased the horse legally. The men chose to punish him for <laughs> punish him just for speaking up and telling the truth. You think you get a pink slip for buying a horse? or You, you know what I mean? Like, is that just like a handshake kind of deal? Probably what? now you do, but like oh, when he yeah. bought the horse, did he have like, I don't let know, me pull man. the registration out? Probably not. You know, pull the registration out from his satchel. Probably bought it from an American, American person. Yeah, on, you on, have on, the on. money here, take it, horse. Yep. Spit in their hands and, and shake each other's hands or however you close the deal back then. Yep. So again, they tied Marietta up and whipped him bloody. For just for just defending his brother. For just defending his brother. Right. Like we we bought this horse legally. Yeah. Um so then the Americans the American men lynched Marietta's brother in the town square, even though he was completely innocent of any crime. They're about to turn this now, into John Wick. For the second time, the white man had killed someone that Joaquin loved dearly. At this point, the two closest people in his life had been taken from him. And it was clear that even if he tried to work hard and make a living through honest means, the extreme racism that now ruled over California would continue to keep him down. Things ain't changed not one bit. Mm -mm. No matter how hard he tried to better himself, the young, ambitious part of Joaquin Marietta was now dead. He had now transformed into someone who would devote his life to revenge. Is this Um, the origin story of Zorro? It is! <laughs> yes, get them all. I was like, this dude is gonna murder people. Fuck them all. Okay. Yes. Okay. Continue. The day after his brother lyn- his brother's lynching, Joaquin Marietta completely snapped. He felt that he had nothing to nothing left to lose and was and was ready to get revenge, even if it meant risking his own life. Joaquin waited until the middle of the night mm. and he kidnapped he kidnapped um, the man who was responsible for kill- for his brother's death. Mm. Then he murdered the man using a blade. And chopped up the body. Oh, my he God. He left pieces lying around the camp so the American men would find their friend in the morning. One of the men could hear something going on so he could walk outside. So he walked outside to see um, their friend's body parts scattered around the camp. Mm. They ran to catch the killer. The only light came from the flames of the campfire and they spotted Joaquin Marietta. They recognized him as the young man they had whipped earlier that day and the brother of the man who was killed. He was dressed in all black, which made it difficult for them to see him in the darkness, besides the whites of his eyes, mm. which were filled with rage. Before the men could react, Joaquin Marietta was already riding away on the horse. The men shot after him, but none of the bullets came in contact with him. Clearly, the men missed um, all the, shit, the bullets that they shot. Uh-huh. But according to their version of the story, it was it was as it was as, as if Joaquin had superhuman um, quality about him mm. that helped him make it out unscathed. Mm. Unscathed. The men were terrified, and they had good reason to be. Every night, another another one of them would be found dead mm. with their body parts scattered around the camp. Jesus. Just going in there, taking one by yeah, one, one at and a just time. chopping them up and just yep, heads, arms, all kinds of shit. Everywhere. Damn. Even when they were on the lookout for Marietta, he would still somehow manage to slip and slaughter his next victim. Mm. Word spread that there was a phantom-like bandit coming for revenge on behalf of the Mexican people. At first... Joaquin, Joaquin Marietta was only killing the white men who were responsible for killing his family, but that was not enough for him. He moved on to hearing the stories of other from other Mexican people who had been abused and decided to go after the men who were more violent rapists and murderers. Mm. 
He was passing judgment on them like the Grim Reaper, deciding when it was time to die. Yeah. Marietta was serving vigilante justice as um, he saw fit and had no guilty or remorse for doing so. At this point, Joaquin Marietta was technically a cold-blooded serial killer, but the Mexican people had been beaten down for so long, everyone saw him as a hero. Yeah. Finally, the white men were afraid to be cruel to Mexicans um, for fear of getting on Marietta's hit list, which is savage. Yeah, this is the type this is, <laughs> this is the type of shit that inspires a revolution, man. Yeah. These people have basically enslaved all these people yeah. who lived on their own land and are raping the women and beating people for having horses and all yeah. this kind of stuff. So how m- the person who is calling him is like, look, man, these people are evil. Yeah. So how bad can he really feel for the things that he's doing? You know, yeah. especially they killed his wife, they killed his brother. I mean, geez, Vigilant, yeah, vigilante justice. Yep. So it did not take long for uh, other young people seeking revenge to step up to offer the help um, for Joaquin Marietta. Mm-hmm. A gang of men and women began to look up to him um, as the look up to him as the, as their leader. Mm-hmm. All of them were in their 20s and 30s, and they had similar tragic backstories to Marietta. Mm-hmm. The Americans had killed their family, money, and homeland for, uh, for themselves. Since many of these young people had lost their families, they decided to call themselves the Mariettas. Mm. One of the most memorable members of the gang was named Man- Manuel Garcia, but everyone called him um, Three Finger Jack because, if you can imagine, he had only three fingers. There were also <laughs> there were also um, a 16-year-old boy named... Reyes Files and his brothers and his older sister. Their parents had been killed and they had nothing left to live for except revenge. Mm. Joaquin Marietta fell for um, Files' sister and they became lovers and who were both willing to live to avenge their families um, that they had lost. Damn. After, after, after a while, the gang had killed all of the men responsible for ruining their lives, but they did not stop their, um, their life. Of, they did not stop their life of crime. Yeah. They become... Um, like a troop of Robin Hood's merry men, the gang members would travel through San Joaquin and Sacramento valleys, killing just lynching white men. Uh-huh. Um, they were still the they were still his gold. Take their horses before riding off with their treasures. Mm. In their minds, they were really just taking back the gold that had been stolen from them sure. in the first place and rebelling against their oppressors. Sure. Upon returning home to their village. The gang was met with cheers and people were finally able to rebuild their lives after having everything taken from them. However, since they were only killing men, since they were only killing when it was absolutely necessary and left many of these white men alive and left plenty of witnesses who were able to report Mm. the theft to the authorities. Eventually, they demanded help from the California Rangers. Uh. The California Rangers named Wild West is very fitting for good reason. In the New American Territories, there were plenty of areas that were totally lawless. The California Rangers were asked, um, with being the state's law enforcement, that they would only be sent out on location for the most serious cases. Once word spread about the Mexican serial killer and his gang of bandits were murdering white men around the gold rush, the governor of California offered 6000 cash reward for uh, Joaquin Marietta. Mm. He was wanted dead or alive. Now, 6000 doesn't sound like a lot of money for a group of men split over killing a guy, mm-hmm. but keep in mind inflation that was close to $200,000. Okay. This was yep, this was more than enough incentive for rangers to assemble and try to find them. <clears throat> I'd get you out of bed for sure. Yeah, a man named Harry Love, well, that's not like just a, he made up his name. Yeah, that Harry sounds, Love. <laughs> sounds, sounds like a gigolo or yeah, something. Yeah, Harry Love was the head of the California Rangers for several weeks. They tried and failed to find Joaquin Marietta. This was especially difficult considering the several 
considering that several other desperados were also named Joaquin. Very popular name, I guess. Finally, they kidnapped Joaquin Marietta's brother-in-law and tortured him until he gave up the location of where the gang was hiding. Damn. In 1853, the California Rangers rode out, the lo- rode out to the location where the men had been spotted and shot all eight members of the Marietta gang. Mm. After examining the bodies, they saw that they saw the famous three-finger jack. This is how they confirmed that it had they had the in fact yep found the right group of people. Mm. The only problem was that no one actually knew what Joaquin Marietta actually looked like. Oh. There were plenty of illustrations of him circling circulating around. There were all artistic renderings of uh, maniacal-looking Mexican men with crazy eyes. Mm. However, Harry Love claims that he was confident that he could identify the leader, Joaquin Marietta. So he cut off his head, preserved oh. it in a large jar of liquor, and carried it back home with him. Jesus. Yep. And then he put the head on display and charged people a dollar per ticket to come see it. As morbid as it sounds, people came from all around the world to stare at the head of the dead bandit who had been terrorizing California. They used to, they used to hang people from trees and party, bro. Like that doesn't surprise me at all that somebody would pay money for a That's ticket. Crazy. And, you know, so you know, there were there was lynching parties in the streets of this country. So yep. that doesn't surprise me at all. Uh, so just one year later, in 1854, a writer named John Rollin Ridge published a book called The Life and Adventure of Joaquin Marietta, the Celebrated California Bandit. The author, John um, Rollins Ridge, also wanted, uh, went by the name Yellowbird because of his Cherokee heritage. It was important to him to document the story of Joaquin Marietta, the perspective of the, Me- the Mexican-American people, because it was an example of the atrocities Native people had endured of the, after the United States occupied the California Territory. Without this book, the true backstory may have never been told, and he would have gone down in history as nothing but a cold-blooded killer. Mm-hmm. The story of Joaquin Marietta has been retold multiple times since then. The Yellow Birds version is considered to be the most accurate portrayal. Unfortunately, that was not, that was not the end of the oppression against American people in America. In 1855, the against, Greaser... Against American? Against Mexican people in America. Oh, okay, cool. In 1855, the Greaser Act became law. Back then, Americans called... The Native Americans, Indians, and Mexican people greasers because of the the perception that they were dirty. So Man. they was just so they was just if you were uh, loitering or just traveling, you were Mexican. You, you were or Mexican, you're one, or and you're going to get arrested. They're going to they arrest you for that because right, they just right. didn't want people just loitering, just ha- loitering, Lord, that's, that's, out. Yeah, that's where that law came. That's well, crazy. It came from after after slavery was abolished. Yeah, the loitering law was created to put people in to put black people in chain gangs. And just let them continue to be slaves. Yeah. So he's like, you can't just stand around here. He's like, we don't have anything to do. We don't. Ha- we can't get jobs. Yeah. Well, you go to jail. So yeah, they just took that from the East Coast and down south and brought it over to the West Coast. Yep. Uh, the definition. Uh, so it gave Americans the right to arrest Native people for being uh, vagrants. Mm-hmm. The definition of a vagrant was very vague, and it could just mean someone who was considered loitering and traveling from place to place. Mm-hmm. Like, leave people alone. Like, how's that bothering you? Um, that, I don't. We don't want people that look <laughs> like that around here. That's crazy. I mean, that's really what. It's just that's just that. Or we don't want you guys conspiring to do another one of these gangs. Yeah, true. and endanger our lives. Yeah. So this was meant to cut down on gang activity by the Mexican desperados, but it was also targeted at forcing Native Americans to stay in their reservations, limiting their ability to travel mm. because of the Greaser Law. Any Mexican or Native American. Man could be thrown in jail for 90 days simply by standing around town Damn. or going on or going on a vacation. This took away the ability ability for anyone except white men to search for gold in California, of course, in their benefit, and it limited their their opportunities for growth in local communities. As the years went on, it only gave more and more people um, 
to Anglo-American Economy, Legacy of the Story of Marietta's Vigilante Justice. Was a compelling, was so compelling, people began to tell it over and over again throughout the West. And in 1919, a writer named John McCulley wrote a short story called The Curse of um, Capistrano. This was based on the true story of Joaquin Marietta, only changed the name of the man, um, character of Don Diego Vega. The story was so popular it turned into a movie in 1920, and John McCulley decided to publish the full-length novel starring Don Diego Vega. This was the mask. This was the mask of Zorro in yes. 1924. Yes. As time went on, the legend of Zorro transformed. Whoever, um, whenever people needed the spark of inspiration, in 1930s people were suffering through the Great Depression, and they blamed the one percent for running their lives, for their livelihoods. What year is this? 1930 been going on this whole it's just nothing changes man that's all these terms i remember hearing the one percent when i was like 16 and thinking it was like a new thing and it's just no they just they just move past it shut up in silence all the people calling for revolution yep. and then the the, the pot simmers down yep. and then it boils up again and you start hearing terms like one percent still here now that's fucking crazy yeah. man that's, so people all races began to feel that they uh, resonated with the character of zaro because they wanted to believe that they were that there could be justice in the world mm -hmm. Through Zorro, they could live vicariously and see and see someone who took from the rich and gave to the poor. By the 1950s, the character was still just as popular as ever, and from 1957 to 59, Walt Disney Pictures aired the show Zorro on TV. Then, in 1988, the Max Zorro premiered, starring Antonio Banderas. Uh -huh. But the inspiration did not stop there. Author Bob Kane credits The Legend of Zorro for inspiration for the Batman comics. And um, wow. Inigo Montoya from The Prince's Bride yes. shares some clear influences as well. My name is Inigo Montoya. <laughs> it's also stated that Juan uh, jo Joaquin Marietta, for a man who inspires so much, so much popular culture, you might wonder, you might be wondering, is there a grave where we can pay homage to this bandit hero? You know, they threw that head somewhere in a lake or something. You know? Yeah. Well, it turns out that there never was one. In 2005, a filmmaker named John J. Val Valdez went on a quest to find the head of Joaquin Marietta that Harry Love kept in, on display. After, after years of searching, Valdez believed that he truly find the head of Joaquin Marietta. Now, this is a documentary. I, can't, I looked it up. I can't find it anymore. Yeah. Um, so he said he, he truly believed he found the What's head What's the name of, of it again, just in case somebody it's is called, um, When I looked it up, it's called, it was called The Head of Joaquin Marietta. The Head of Joaquin Marietta. Yeah. Um, so he said he truly believed he found the head of Joaquin Marietta, and he filmed a documentary about this entire journey on how he tracked it down. Mm -hmm. In 2015, he finally gave the man a proper burial 162 years later mm. after his death. Even though Joaquin Marietta has inspired so many people, there are still many American historians who refuse to see him as a good guy. No. They say that he was nothing but a criminal and a bandit who terrorized unsuspecting Americans. But the American, but in the Me Mexican history... Unsus unsuspecting criminals and murderers and, and, right. and land stealers. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But in Mexican history, it is clear that Joaquin Marietta is and always will be a hero. Yeah, for sure. Now, also, um, I looked up when I was trying to find the damn the documentary. It was saying that that his the his head of Joaquin Marietta got it got damaged in an earthquake in like eighteen hundred or something. Yeah. So they they never found it. But I don't know. I don't know if this that documentary. I can't find it anywhere. So I don't know if somebody have seen it or what. But. Yeah, if anybody has any leads or any information yeah. about that, please let us know. But this is what this is what um, this is why people say that um, American education system is skewed 
to the the victor is going to tell the story. Right? Yeah. Like I didn't learn about Nat Turner until I was a full grown adult. Right? Mm-hmm. Nat Turner led the slave rebellion yeah. and killed all these white slave owners and and all these kind of things. And he had, he had, he met a terrible fate because they ended up catching up to him. You know yeah. what you do is going to catch with these people. They they outnumber you. They outweapon you. Yeah. And if they catch you, they're going to make an example out of you, yep. right? So this dude Joaquin, uh, what's his last name? Marietta. Joaquin Marietta. Joaquin, Joaquin Marietta. Nat Turner. They're from the same cloth. You know what I mean? They 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 had all they could stands till they can't stands no more. Yeah. And they decided to fight back, right? But in the eyes of an American, with ties to the history of those people, maybe they killed their great great grandfather, whatever. That's an evil person. Yeah. But. Don't freak, don't worry about how they got to steal their land and all that kind of stuff. It just was manifest destiny. Yeah. American people were always just destined to have this land. And they just got it by fighting the wars and winning the wars. But then when you hear the story of like, well, they, this wasn't a war. They were fighting fucking barmaids and people who are farmers. Yeah. They, they weren't. You know, this wasn't a war. This wasn't a government against government, army against army. A bunch of people came through and massacred a bunch of people. Yeah. But in the textbooks, they go, America won the war. As yep. American, America always wins the war. We found a way to gut it out and fight hard, and we, we beat the, the bad guys. Yeah. But they just went in and massacred a bunch of people. That's what that was. Yep. And then a group of people said, you've taken everything I care about and I love, and I'm done. I'm not doing it anymore, and I will have my revenge. No matter how gritty, um, uh, uh, mass- uh, uh, massively uh, gruesome, or whatever that is, they pushed first. Yeah. And the fact that that... Now, I didn't know all that stuff about Zorro. Yeah. My only know history with Zorro is that they kill his wife. Yeah. But it didn't, I didn't know all the I didn't know white the people. Yeah, I didn't know all that either. It's I, such a detailed story. Yeah. Because I used to, I remember my mom bought me the the uh, costume. Yeah. It's a dope costume. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got the little half cape. I used to love it. The man. little thin sword. Yeah. <laughs> Put, yep. the, put the Z and shit. Yeah. That all took precedence over the fact that this is based on a real historical thing that yeah. happened and how California was stolen from Mexico and yep. what they did to those people to get them out of there. Crazy. This is all, this is all, all of this is American history. Yeah. Slavery is American history. The Nat Turner rebellions are American history. You can't just cut out the parts that you don't like because you know what that leaves? Open wounds. Yep. And that's how you end up in the, the climate that we're in right now. Yep. Because no matter what you want to say about oh, you weren't a slave or you didn't do this or you weren't a part of the people who got land, got stolen in California. It's like, <clears throat> yes, that's true. But the son of Levi, whatever his name was, yep. wasn't there either. And because of the way that the system was set up, there's, he's a millionaire. There's, he's a billionaire. billionaire yeah. <laughs> his grandkids, his great grandkids, his whole family will forever be billionaires. This is a hundred Two, almost 200 years ago. Be- and that is because of <laughs> the legacy wild. that they were able to establish at that point in time. So systemic wealth can tra- can transfer through generations and through years. And so can systemic pain, systemic poverty, yep. all these things they transfer. It doesn't just it doesn't just end because like, oh, you were born in 1992. You don't know anything about slavery. Yeah. It's like, yeah, but because of redlining and Jim Crow and slavery and all these things, my family was never able to establish a system of wealth or even an establishment of any kind of thing until like 1979, yeah. bro. You know, now there's uh, some black people who are exceptions to that, who are able to, you know, find their way and make a little niche for themselves and, you know, generate some wealth a hundred years ago, whatever. But the the average African-American person who doesn't know anything about, you know, we make jokes all the time where, you know, you know, white people love to go like, I'm French and I'm this and this. And we just go, I'm black, man. I don't know. My grandfather's from Virginia. That's by design. I'm not just like joking or I don't, I don't, I don't, I know, but I'm not telling you or I don't care. I don't know. Yeah. And that's by the, that's, that's. 
That's by design. Yeah. There's people walking around this country with red skin, don't know what tribe they come from, anything like that, because of forced assimilation. Like these are things that were forced to happen. And those people might not have lived through, you know, uh the Joaquins and the Nat Turners and all that, but they're yeah. the descendants of those people. Yep. And the descendants of the people who stole those gold mines and uh, you know, owned cotton fields and made people work them for free, living fat off the land. Yeah. Even but those people the, the 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 people that's being affected by this, that story lives on. Like in history, in our history books that uh-huh. we learn in school, they they're not telling us that because it's just the like winners. the winners, the tell winners, the winners. But those people, those Mexican people and whatever, they're they, telling this. They, story. They, they telling that story. They yeah. telling that story. And, and the thing about this story was, it felt like now it's the same way. It's like it felt like white people seem they they're just entitled to everything, like everything. Sure. Like yo, what what? It's not it's not even a war. Yeah, yeah. It's, well, what, it shouldn't even be called a war. No. It's the wrong term for it. Yeah. It's Absolutely. like, but that's just crazy. Like, oh, we won, so we should we should get all of this. We just gonna take all this from y'all, yeah. and y'all just gonna do what we say. But that's what this country was built on, and not having pride in that is the now the the new civil divide in this country. Yeah, where if you're a person who can recognize that America was built on genocide, now I'm a person who I'm gonna go do my part and I'm gonna vote right. Yeah, but I'm a very much a person. I think Patrice O'Neill said it best. Patrice O'Neill said it best. He said, if you go into a restaurant. And they fucking shit all over your food and give you a terrible meal. And that's just the way that the place was established. That's what they do there. It's shitty food, shitty service. They treat you like shit. You can fire the manager and put a new manager in there. Yeah. But the restaurant's still going to be run the same way. Yeah. America was built on stealing, killing, and fucking people over. It doesn't matter who you put in that house. They might make gay marriage legal. They might give some stimulus checks to some people. They might do X, Y, and Z. But at the core of it, we are an empire who goes into people's lands kills innocent people and takes their land for themselves. That's what America is. And if you can't accept that, that's on you, but that's what it is. But if you are a person who starts to learn that stuff, people go, what do you hate America? Leave. Yeah. It's like, no, I just recognized what this system was built on. Yeah. You know, it's and, wrong. and it's wrong, but there's now all this, that all right. That's all that, that, that whole sect of the country mm-hmm. that's built on who gives a fuck. That's why America's so great. Yeah, that's their that's the mentality that you're fighting against. That's wrong, man. How can you do this to people? What about the little person? What about the people that get fucked over? Who gives a shit? We're American. That's what we do. That's what makes us so great. That's what makes that's what makes the white man so great. That's the that's the divide. And there's white people on the side of, of the on the right side. Yeah, that are saying sure. that's wrong. You can't do that. Right. And they're, they're, you're a traitor. Race yep. traitor. Yeah. And they don't the, like you. That means you're we're against you. Also. That's the divide in the country that's happening right now. You either. Are, are a person who is saying, listen, man, there's some things about this country that are in, in, the, in the blood of the country, in the, in, the, in, the, in the DNA of the country that are wrong. Mm-hmm. And we should look at and acknowledge that it's wrong. And there's other people saying, no, man, that's just what America is. That's what America is. That's how we became so great. That's what you have to do. And that, like I said, my initial point was those leave open wounds. Yeah. They never apologized to those Mexican, all those Mexican families who they stole that land from California. And now... You go to California and there's people complaining like, man, so many Mexicans in California. You would think California is Mexico. It is. <laughs> <laughs> it is Mexico. They're right there. You know what I mean? It's literally next door. It's bro. right there. <laughs> you know, it's, cra- it's, it's just crazy, man. I don't, uh... I don't know. <laughs> but I didn't know all that stuff about Zorro. I feel like yeah. it's a ripe time for a new Zorro story to come out and really sure. dive into all of that sure, yeah. as, as opposed to just the Z and the you know, the mask and the, the just story. the wife. It's so much deeper than just he, my wife was killed, yeah. it, you know, and, and people need to know that. Yeah. People need to know these stories, man. Cause it's, this is American history. Yeah. 
And you can't just deny that because it's, it's it's not pretty. Yep. Yeah, oh, man. Wow. Yeah, so that was a great story. Um, I love that story. Uh, that it was just it summed up that this dude worked hard, mm-hmm. had a family, doing things the right way, and was still punished. So everybody, everybody can't beat the system, man. It's crazy. That's what I hate. That the like speaking from a black person in the black community, right? I own a house. I have a good job. You know, whatever this, that, and the third, right? I don't look at other black people like pull your bootstraps up or whatever because I recognize how hard it is to get out of that spot. Yeah. I, I recognize how many hoops you got to jump over. Yeah, you got to jump over addiction. You got to jump over family poverty. Yep. You got to jump over systemic issues. The schools that might be in your area aren't equipped to 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 blossom you into the person that you could be. Yeah, some people just can't move freely yeah. like that. Some people just aren't able to jump through all those hurdles. Yeah. Perfect example: this dude did everything right, right? Went, got married, started started a family, went out and pursued something that was happening on a lower scale, yep. wasn't trying to be greedy, was making a nice amount of money and was like, we'll just do this on a low key kind of thing, stack our money up yep. and just have a nice, simple life. And the system came through and took everything from him in the worst way possible. Yeah. You know? So sometimes you could do everything the right way and shit could still go sideways for you. You know? And yeah. that's, that's black, white or indifferent. Yeah. That part is black, white or indifferent. But historically, within this country, it's affected people of color and people of lower means first. Yep. You know, and foremost, when people say play the race card, look at how much the race card was played in your story. Yeah. You know, you can't do this black and brown. You can't do this. You can't do that. The the race card was played so much initially. Yeah. But in the in the benefit of of white people. Yeah. I just hate when they say make you make everything racist. But it is though. It is. Everything (laughs) it was all built on race. Everything was it was all built built on race. It all was (laughs) built on race. That annoys me, man. I can't stand it. Yeah. I can't stand it. But yeah, man, that was that was my story. I worked hard on that story. I really like that story. Shout out to that YouTube channel because they helped me out with that story. I didn't know I know Zoro, but I didn't know the whole backstory of, you know, um, how it was created and where sure. the show or whatever came from. That was a really good um, story. Yeah, so that was Joaquin Marietta. Yeah. Yep. All right, man. Yeah, that was great, man. What we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to get into some more fucked up shit. So stick around. All right, Fran, we are back. It is my turn to tell my affirmative murder. Okay. This is a story <laughs> that I got from an episode of Cold Case Files. That's what uh, I like. I don't remember the episode number, but it's uh, the episode is called Abandoned Houses. Mm. Okay. And I will begin. On a chilly winter day in Akron, Ohio, on the 20th of January, 1995, 13-year-old Melissa Thomas headed out of her house and promised her mother, Sonia, she'd be back by dark. But when night fell and there was no sign of Melissa, the family decided to hit the streets to search for her. After hours of looking and asking around, Sonia called the police. And the next day, the case landed on the uh, desk of uh, Bernita King, and she recognized the name so she headed over to the home of the last person who was known to have seen Melissa, her mm. sister. Mm. She filled out a missing persons report and canvassed the area, giving neighborhood residents and local businesses a description of Melissa. For days, Melissa remains missing with no tangible leads until six days later when John Red, a local handyman, was cleaning up a vacant house with a work associate of his and discovered a body on the second floor. Mm. Red ran next door and contacted the police. Detective Washington Lacey arrived on the scene shortly after. The young female body was bound by her hands and feet. Detective Washington noted that she had clearly tried to chew through the restraints because she had the material in her mouth. Wow. He also noted the tragic and haunting sight of a single tear coming out of her eye. 
The body was ID'd as Melissa Thomas. She was strangled to death and raped. Despite acquiring a DNA sample of the possible killer, the case kept running into dead end leads and Melissa's case unfortunately fell into the cold case files. Mm. And a child killer remained at large in Akron, Ohio. On February 28th of the following winter, 12-year-old Rosie Davenport had a date with her stepmother at 7 p.m. to join her at traffic court. Rosie promised to be on time because she was really excited to go to court with her. You know, you're a kid and you're like, yeah. oh, court. Yeah. I don't like that's where the police with the badges and stuff. Oh, yeah. but <laughs> traffic court is there's nothing fun about traffic court. It's, 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 but, you know, I understand the excitement. Like, oh, you know, wait for me. I want to go with you. So she knew that. Um, her, the stepmother's name is Pat. Pat knew that they had this date. Rosie never is late for things like that. And she knew, you know, okay, well, you know, she'll be here about an hour before we got to be there at seven. So she'll be coming home anytime soon. Yeah. Pat became concerned when uh, Rosie hadn't arrived at six o'clock, mm. but by six 30, she was downright terrified. And she and her husband, Jerry hit the streets to look for Rosie. They searched for hours, but after not finding her, they called the police and they filed a missing persons report. Um, but Pat, in particular, suspected the worst because she knew Rosie wouldn't just disappear out of rebellion. She knew Rosie wasn't at a friend's house yeah. and, you know, being bad or got on a bus to go visit a friend or something like she She's like, something is wrong. Rosie wouldn't do this. And she was excited to go. And she was excited to go. They had, yeah. a, whole, they had a whole thing planned out, right? Um, six days later, Michael Johnson is cleaning a recent property purchase of his, which was a duplex. And as he's cleaning up the, the mess in the basement, he spots a leg. Mm. He calls the police and informs them that he believes he found a body. Officer Mike Stover is the first dispatch to the scene. He heads to the basement and sees what is definitely the body of a dead young girl. He also spots a red line going across her uh, throat, the throat of the body. Homicide is contacted as well. And Pat Muff and Pat Huffman uh, is contacted and to confirm the suspicions that uh, the body that they have found was in fact uh, Rosie Davenport. So what did they call and say? You know, is this have have you like? Is this well, you know, they found a missing person. They found oh, a missing so they did. Person's okay, I got so you. they go, hey Pat, uh, you know, we found a body here, and what they said was, uh, was Rosie wearing a Garfield watch? Mm. And she goes, yeah, that, yeah, she was wearing a Garfield watch. She has a Garfield watch, so that's probably Rosie. And that's so terrifying. yeah, so their suspicions are con- yeah, you get that. That and that's the way that they describe a thing that you bought them. Yeah, you know where they wearing like pink shoes with bow ties, and you know, and you're like, yeah. So, um, you know, Pat confirms that Rosie was in fact wearing a Garfield watch, mm. and um, that, so it matches the description of the body that was found at 156 South Maple. And Jerry Kelly took the lead on the case, and he and a team of detectives attended her autopsy on what would have been her 13th birthday, which was mm. March 7th, 1996. The autopsy confirmed a pretty brutal rape and strangulation. Detectives hit the street to find their first lead at the last place Rosie was seen, the home of Michelle Lindsay and her living boyfriend, Don D. Craig. Michelle had several daughters Rosie's age, and her house was sort of like the congregation spot for all the neighborhood kids. You know, you have mm-hmm. that one house. They, they maybe have the twist-off cap Kool-Aid juicers and, yeah. and Capri Suns. So everybody goes to that person's house. Yeah. My house was briefly that home until a kid named Carrie fucking bashed his head through the fucking... We were playing WrestleMania, and he bashed his head through the wall, <laughs> and then everybody ran out, yeah. and, like, laughing, and my neighbor was outside taking photographs. Really? Wow. To send to the rental office. Damn. So we had to get that fixed. We didn't get kicked out or anything, but... 
that was the last time I had like more than five people at my house. Yeah. He just, I don't know what, he had a big old dome and we did some kind of move. Boom! And he had a lateral list. So he's like, shit, man, shit, I fucking, my head. And then we all were like, oh, it's, I don't know why I ran out of my own house. Like, like, oh, we're going to get in trouble, man. Let's leave. I, like, I have to come back here. But we all ran, jumped out of the doorway. Yeah. And she was standing there. Uh-huh. Got y'all. What was the noise or something? Why was she taking pictures? Yeah, you know, it was townhouses, so every, every house was connected. It was your neighbor? So she could, yeah, so she could hear us, boom, bap, yeah. I'm the undertaker, boom, bap, boom, and then hit the, the wall, yeah. boom, oh, man, a hole. So yeah. she heard all that. And like, you ran out, too. I ran out of my own house. <laughs> I don't know where I was going, man. I really don't. Like, where was I going to go? I have to come back here. I live here. Did you shut the door? No. Yeah, no. <laughs> the door was wide open. We all jumped out. Like, we like we posed for the camera. Basically, we all jumped out of the door. We're like, yeah, woo, ha. And I just noticed, like, king, skates, skates. She got wow. action shots of us jumping out of yeah. the doorway. <sighs> My mom, boy. <laughs> My mom, boy. I'll continue. <laughs> I'll continue. Um, so, like I said, uh, Michelle, Michelle Lindsay had kids that were Rosie's age, and Rosie was over at Michelle's house. And uh, Michelle says the night of Rosie's disappearance, she was at Michelle's house planning to walk home for her date uh, at traffic court with Pat. Mm -hmm. Michelle uh, hated the idea of Rosie walking home after dark because it's dangerous. Mm -hmm. So Dondi Craig and his brother Dwayne offered Rosie a ride home, but she declined, said she was fine, and she, yeah. and she left. Not long after that, Dondi left and said he was going to the store or something like that. And she informed detectives that she hadn't seen him since that night. Mm. So keep in mind, um, we're now a couple weeks after, you know, uh, six, six, she was found six days later. Yeah. So we're now, we're now like two weeks after the actual death and discovery of Rosie Davenport. Mm -hmm. And, and Michelle's like, he left that night and I have not seen him since then. The night that she was found. The night that she, he was going to give her a ride home yeah. and all that. The night he left after she left, oh. I haven't seen, he hasn't come back over here. Mm. Detectives tracked down Dondi Craig, who only who uh, who not only denied offering Rosie a ride, he denied ever even knowing a Rosie or recognizing her photo or anything like that, which Michelle staunchly refuted because he was over there. Like a lot of the times when she came over to hang out with her daughters, yeah, he was there. So he had met Rosie on several occasions. This he offered her a ride, though, right? He offered her a ride, and also he, but he also knew her. He also knew who she was. Yeah, he's saying I didn't. Not only did I, I not offer is. a ride to anybody, I don't even know a Rosie, wow. which was like such. You know, you got to go to the extreme. That's how you know somebody's. That's another way you can tell somebody's lying. It's like you go to the extreme. It's yeah. like, well, we definitely have proof that you have met her before yeah no nah, i never met a rosie nope, i don't even know before. anybody named Ro i never met a rosie in my life what's up what's she look nope don't no, what no, last name no i don't know you know maybe no i don't nah <laughs> actually back in 70 nah, nah. I mean, her, her name was roseanne but she didn't go by rosie nah i don't know a rose it's like bro we have a witness <laughs> and the kids are with everybody saw you meet rosie yeah Nah, I, I, don't, I don't know. So the fact that shit, the shit that people come up with and think they're gonna get away with it is hilarious. I mean, he could have, he had a better chance of going. Yeah, hey, yeah, that little white girl. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I know her, but um, me and the mom got into an argument, and I left after she and I offered her a ride home. She didn't take it, and I got in a fight with Michelle, and then I broke up. He could have said anything. Yeah, other than like, oh, I've never know known that. I don't even know who that. That I don't never heard of that name before. That's that's like too much of a lie. So boom, red flag number one. It's yeah. like okay, you've never. Oh, okay, you've never met her before. Got it. 
so um, after he denied, a, to, he refused the polygraph test, um, the detectives did some digging and they discovered patterns of similar activities in, Dom, in Dondi's criminal record. Prior crimes on his record involved abandoned houses as well as tying up young girls and assaulting them. Mm. These red flags shot these red flags shot Dondi right to the top of the suspects list. Yeah. Detectives returned to Dondi Craig's apartment in search of blood samples. He initially agreed, I mean, uh, of a blood sample sample. He initially agreed but changed his mind. Shocker. It's that thing where it's like uh you 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 I know you know this, but like you know, when you're in school and you're acting up in school yeah. or you're doing something, maybe you got like a forged, uh, some kind of, you, you signed your uh, progress report yourself because yeah. you didn't want to show your parents. And they're like, you're, uh, so is your mom coming to the parent-teacher night? No, no. But she signed this and she's not concerned about the, no, no, she's fine. So if I call her, she'll say that she's not, she doesn't want to come? Yeah. yeah, call her. Yeah. Okay, I will, huh? <laughs> you know, excuse me? No, yeah. no, no. Well, I don't know if she, right now, she's probably at work, so. Yeah. I don't know if she'll pick up right now. You give her a fake, give a fake phone number. Then they got to go into the file. Yeah. Then they tell her all those things. Yep. Hey, I think he signed this. Also, he gave me a fake phone number. Yeah, she's lying. Yeah. <laughs> That's all you got. Mom, she's lying. You know, she's out to she, get me. You know, she'll like me. Yeah. She's lying, mom. That didn't work at, at my house at all. Like, go ahead and do it. I don't care. Yeah. Oh, I will. You scared as shit. You know, you act tough in front of the, you have the whole class. That girl you like is over in the corner. Call her. I don't care. <laughs> okay. I will. Huh? No, you mean right now? Uh, yeah, come up here. You call her. I've done. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> don't even give me stuff. I'm gonna get back into the story. You're like, ma, um, the teacher wanted me to call you. Why? Um, <laughs> because um, my progress report. Yeah, she said um, it was bad. Oh, the progress reports came out. Yeah, um, <laughs> they came out, and I just you weren't home, so I just I was gonna show you it, but I. I just put your name on there just because uh, you you what? <laughs> and then you phone phone gets yeah. taken. Then the whole conversation. Yeah, he signed it. He said that you said it was okay. And da 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 da. And then it's like okay, give the phone back to him. Boom. I'll see you when you get home. It's it's so many times that I'll see you when you get home. That fuck up your whole day. And if for all black people know this, if your parents got to take off work, <sighs> it ain't it ain't. They got to come to the school now it to pick you pretty. up. So he can't stay here. He's suspended for three days. So he has to leave now. And yeah. he lives too far to walk. We can't let him walk home. Okay, I'll, I'll be there. Thank you. And they come in. Hello, yes. Sign off on a thing or whatever. Mm -hmm. Ooh, boy, that ride home. <laughs> that ride home. Oh, ooh. Because you're going straight home. She's yeah. off for the rest of the day. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to go deal this. Not drop you off. I'm going back to work. Yeah. I'm off. I had to call out. I had to take a sick day. Yeah. So we're home. Mm. Ooh. Ooh, boy. Anyway, uh. So Craig did that with the blood sample. He's like, yeah, I'm, I'm innocent. Blood sample me. Okay, cool. Well, we can set up the, you can come in tomorrow at noon. Uh, um, you know what, man? Y'all try to probably try to trick me yeah. and use the blood for something else. No. You know, so he, he switched up on that real quick. Yeah, so he, he, he initially agreed and he refused to do the blood sample after he changed his mind. Um, and this is another red flag. So they, they became everything they were, every, every bit of convinced that they had their man. Mm -hmm. Once he refused the blood sample, he refused the, the, um, the, uh, lie detector test. Yeah. He, he, uh, said he never met Rosie. It's like, Oh, you're super sketchy. And we're pretty sure this was you. Uh, Dondi Craig is, a, in fact, uh, is, a, is arrested. And after a night of, in a holding cell, he can, uh, he consents to taking, to getting his blood drawn. Okay. Um, uh, Craig's DNA, along with the evidence, are shipped to a testing lab. 
The delay in finding finding Rosie, however, did cause issues uh, because it took about 48 to 72 hours to find her. Mm. The DNA on her body was compromised mm. and they weren't able to get a, a full DNA profile from the from the evidence on her body because it had been sitting out for so long. Damn. Yeah. So uh, with no physical evidence of the crime, officers are unable to charge Dondi and they have to let him go. Months pass and detectives detectives reluctantly tuck Rosie's case on to the side with a vow to never forget Rosie. This police department was really affected by this case. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to get into why they weren't affected by um, why they weren't affected by Melissa so much and didn't vow to. I won't get into that. Right. I won't get into I'm not saying I won't get into it right now. I don't have a reason why. OK. All right. I mean, I have my reasons why Rosie Davenport probably stuck in their head better than than Melissa's did. But. They made a vow to like, we're just, we're not, this isn't going to the cold case files. We're just tucking this aside well, for now. Well, what are the reasons? Why, why do you think? Well, Melissa was black and, and, and um, Rosie was this white. Oh, I thought, girl. I thought it was something beyond it. No, no, no. <laughs> and if you watch the episode, yeah. they just kind of go, Melissa was killed. And that one, the detective who I said saw a, a tear come out of her eye and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. You know, he, he, he was broken up about that, obviously, but they moved on pretty quick. And then when they did Rosie Davenport's story, it was like five different detectives that were like, Rosie was a victim with a capital V. I mean, she was just, you know, she her life was taken away and it was yeah. tragic. And it is. Yeah, it is. But it wasn't as much of a thing when 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 Melissa was killed the so, year before. So Rosie's story was just bigger. She I don't, it didn't like make the news. or It wasn't like a national story. It okay. just was the people who worked the job felt connected to Rosie, yeah. in, in my opinion, because she looked like their kids. Yeah. Okay. So they go... Well, we don't really have they, they hit the same they hit the same dead ends that the Melissa case hit. Mm-hmm. We are, are, you know, we the evidence and this and that. But they didn't vow to come but back. They to didn't that. vow to come back to Melissa's. They, yeah. they were like, this is not going to the cold case files. We're just going to take a little break from this yeah. until we can get it sorted out. That is all I have to say on that. It's like, but I'm not why, saying I'm not calling racism. I'm just yeah, saying, but, but I'm saying they're both equally as tragic. Absolutely. So why? But why is it? You know what I mean? Like why? Well, it's the same thing as like the Brock Turner case. I mean, this kid he he fucking raped a girl behind a dumpster, but then the judge goes, you know, you're you're, you're a swimming, you got a swimming scholarship. Like you you, I don't want to ruin your life by giving you a hard sentence because he looks at that kid and sees his grandson or whatever. When you see. These are implicit biases. This is what implicit bias is. It's not even like, it might not even be an intentional thing, but you might see it's the same thing. Cops see little black kids. You might be 12. They see you as 16, 17 years old. It's these little things, these little intricacies that have happened through biology and stories from your parents and all these nurturing things that have skewed the way you see the world a little bit. So a judge might see you and go, oh man, he looks like my grandson. It might be in the back of their head. You know, the way you say something, the things you do, the sports you like to participate in. Oh, I'm a hockey player. Oh, man, my grandson plays hockey. I can't take your whole life away. Oh, man, this little girl, she looks just like my granddaughter, man. We can't just, like, throw this case into the cold case files. That They could be just as broken up about what happened to that girl, Melissa, but it, it might not stick with them as hard. I get it, but I feel like that's the wrong way to do your job on personal feelings. You sure, but feeling. they might not even realize that the feeling... My whole thing I is... Get like, it, I get it, that. Yeah, I get it that. It might yeah. be subconscious, yeah, you yeah, know? Yeah. And that's just my opinion. You know, yeah. I, I could be completely wrong. Yeah. People might have never stopped, you know, looking for Melissa and that just wasn't made clear in it the show. It wasn't put out there, yeah. Yeah, but... <clears throat> but it being put out there give you those ideas, though. Yeah, it, especially because, like I said, it's in the show. Yeah. They really take a whole... The, the music changes and Rosie was this victim with a capital V. When he said that, it just was like... They, they didn't spend this much time yeah. on the Melissa part. Yeah. You know, they were... It was the, the cop said, like, she had a tear coming out of her eye. It was sad, all that kind of... And they move on, you know? 
But again, the Rosie Davenport case is the case that broke everything open, which I'll get into. So maybe that's it was really the the cold case file was about her, I guess. But Melissa died too. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. So it was just maybe it just was the way that it was portrayed. I'll continue. <clears throat> also, like I said, um, you know, they the the case had a dead end, but they vowed to come back to this, yeah. this case. Six six years later, in January 2002, the Akron Police Department received a grant to pay for DNA testing on unsolved cases. Detective Jim uh, uh, Pesilich is was working overtime sifting through old cold cases. What do you mean you have to pay? What? Well, they were backlogged. They cost money to go run these cases, to go run these DNA. You got to pay the lab. Mm. They don't just do it for free. Okay. Uh, you know, uh, again, why not? It's a good question, man. I don't, I don't really know. It's bureaucracy. Mm-hmm. It's just the way the system is, right? Yeah. Whenever you send a case off, you got to pay. This is you. It's, it's resources. You got to pay the the forensic scientists to do their job. Everybody, you know, it's everybody. It's okay. a job. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So you got to pay, but and that's how that's that contributes to backlog. It's like we don't have the funding to send every one of these cases to to the DNA lab. So they might have the DNA. Can you use taxes for that? This is a question for somebody. This is what I mean by, uh-huh. hey man, don't listen to this podcast for education. Cause I'm I, just asking the question. Yeah, I don't hey, know. Somebody will, t- somebody will tell us, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know why it's like, if one of the reasons that cases aren't being solved is a lack of funding, I'd like to know what, what goes into paying yeah. for a DNA sample to get yeah, tested? I would like to where know does, too. where do they, where do they pull? Is that money from the budget? And if there's not enough money in the budget, they can't pay the, DNA sampling testing a lab and I don't know where the money goes and where how it's allocated. Yeah. But either way, they had to receive a grant from somewhere to to pay for to it. pay for these tests. That's crazy. So the detectives were working working overtime and going through old uh cases and guess what, you know, the first case up because of that passion I was describing, the one of the first cases that they pulled was the Rosie Davenport case. Is it is the first or is one of the first? It it, it Based on how they described it in the in the show, it is. It's the first. Okay. Be, but that and that tells me again, it's all about framing. I could be wrong. They made yeah, a, yeah. these did some DNA tests on some other ones, but they made it seem like she was at the top of the list. That's what I'm saying. It's, it's what it they're feeding passion. us is how we look at it. Yes. It's, so they made it, it seemed like it was because of the passion that had resonated over these last six years. This this case was still discussed a lot in the community, discussed a lot with the detectives. That as soon as a grant was up, they were like, "We got to test the Rosie Davenport because we had a guy. Dondi was the, he was the guy. We have a suspect." And all these, this, that, and the third. So she should be tested first because that just has stuck with us all these years. Yeah. So she was the first. She was the first case up. Uh, um, the detective uh, pulled her rape kit, looking for uh, something that could give them a DNA profile. Uh, he pulls out vaginal swabs from the kit and sends them to the lab along with several different, uh, several different suspects. Seven months later. So again, that's another thing. It takes time. Like, it's a very long process. It's not like they just overnight it and then they test it immediately. Because now the the forensic lab is backlogged too. Because they have to do now all wait. these DNA tests. Yeah. So after seven months, Rosie's that Rosie Davenport's, you know, her case was up at the forensic file at mm-hmm. the forensic laboratory, and they tested the the swabs from the rape kit, and they were able to isolate two distinct DNA profiles consistent with Rosie Davenport. And their top their top suspect Donald Dondi Craig. Mm. Uh, Craig was extremely easy to find because he was already in prison on an unrelated charge. Before approaching him, cold case detectives did some background research, and they find a case from 1991 where Donald was arrested for raping a 17 year old girl named Lavelle Calhoun. Her case file, excuse me, 
Her case file follows almost exactly the same tactics used in the Rosie Davenport murder. Only Lavelle was let go. So this is, no, this is nothing new for him. No, and I really believe that, as we've seen in other cases before, he let Lavelle go, she told her mother, he got arrested, and he's like, okay, well, if I'm going to do this again, the person, I'm not letting the person go, because then I get caught, they tell on me. Yeah. But, but I'm going to get, I'm going to tell her whole story, because I okay. wrapped it up just kind of real quick, but it's, it, there's more detail, it's pretty crazy. So according to Lavelle, Dondi came over to her house for some sort of kickback with a group of his friends. Later in the night, he wanted to leave um, the gathering to grab some fast food and asked Lavelle to accompany him. While driving, he said he needed to make a stop at a house he was house-sitting. See. She followed him, to, she followed him to the, into the house and made a remark about why is it so dark in here, after which he attacked her and threatened to kill her if she didn't stop screaming. He then proceeded to take her upstairs and rape her for what she said seemed like hours. Donald then lets her get dressed and drives her home, but not before making a stop at the drive-thru. Nah, dog. You can't. Yeah, I'm not I'll leaving be, I'm the going. Party. I'm going. Uh, all right, let me hop out and smoke a cigarette real quick. Yeah, and I'm not going in the dark. house. Because I already, but that's the thing. We always have these discussions about how we can't put ourselves in the mentality of a woman. She's in a neighborhood she's not familiar with. She's in his car. Yeah. And he's like, just come in, come in real quick. If he's insistent, he might not even be threatening, but he's so insistent that she might have been like, let me just let's just get this over with fast. Okay, I'll well, go she in was the already house she already knew something was was wrong from the jump. Yeah, well she went in the house and it was yeah. like dark in there. Yeah. Especially if somebody you were gonna get food. We had a party, we we're gonna get food and yeah, you, you gotta make a stop now. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I'm sure her That's antennas were up. Man. Yeah. But she was like, let me just cooperate. Let me just cooperate yeah. so we, he can get me back to my house. Right? And shit mm. went super sideways. I think it's incredibly gross that he even still had fast food on his mind and while taking her back to her house after raping her. He stopped at a drive-thru. Um, he took Lavelle back to the doorstep of her apartment. She said she booked it out of the car immediately, yeah. ran right upstairs and told her mom what happened, and they, went, they went and arrested him immediately. Good. Uh, so uh, Donald Craig is arrested but was released after a short time because the detective who was supposed to be a witness or speak at the grand jury trial was on vacation. What? Yeah, so because he his testimony wasn't available, the case fell apart. And they can't postpone that? Postpone his that? vacation? The the case. Don't they get back or something? They can't do that? I mean, I, I don't, you know, I, I maybe he had a public defender who, maybe the vacation came out of nowhere. I don't really know the reasons, but everybody just kind of goes, yeah, the case fell through the crack. We don't really know why That's and all this kind of stuff. Because nobody really cared, man. That really is, the long and short of it is nobody at the time cared about Lavelle Calhoun. You know, this detective thought it was fine to go on vacation. I'm not, maybe he was overworked. I'm not saying... He should have canceled his vacation or whatever. But at the very least, if the trial fell apart, you retry him. Yeah. Retry him and make sure that the make sure that the uh the detective is there this time, the next time. They didn't retry him though. The case just kind of fell apart and they were like, uh, mistrial or whatever. And then that was it. He never got like retried or anything. <clears throat> so um after the cold case detectives did that um that little bit of research and found out about Lavelle. She is courted as a potential witness in the Rosie Davenport trial. And now that they have that big key witness in the back pocket, they decide to take their information that they've gathered and go to the prison to talk to Dondi. Mm -hmm. So they show up to talk to Dondi where he's, uh, he's finishing up a seven-year sentence for arson. Damn, it's nuts. Yeah, big time. They <laughs> arrive at Belmont Correctional Institute on January 28, 2003. After 45 minutes of light questioning 
and refreshing Dondi on the Rosie Davenport case. Cause you know, they're like, do you remember Rosie Davenport? Oh yeah. 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 The white girl. Right. All that type of shit. They do that for a little bit and then they turn up the heat on them. Mm-hmm. And I actually wanted to play a clip from the show. Ooh. Uh, because a reenactment or something? No, no, it's it's like they had the tape oh, in, in the in okay, the jail. Cool. After forty five minutes of easy back and forth, detectives begin to tighten up on their suspect. There is a certain point in time where you have to hit him with the science and says, We know you did it. And then that's when it really escalated. Okay, point blank questions, because you know we have to ask them. Did you kill Rosie? No, I did. Did you rape Rosie? No. You didn't have sex with Rosie? No. After the expected denials, detectives confront Dondi with some science. Here's my question to you, Dondi. Is there any reason your DNA should be inside of him? If my DNA was in there, they would have found that out. It's the whole reason we're here now. There. Your DNA is inside of Rosie. How can they do that? Because I ain't got no knowledge of the girl. Dundee. Again, he still denies everything. He knows now why we're down there. He knows we have DNA. We're coming down there for a reason. He still denies it. Straight up, your DNA was inside Rosie. Okay, that's the case. Let's go to court with it. Okay. That's what we did. We went to court. <laughs> so he thought he was bullshitting. Yeah. <laughs> so he's go, if, that, if y'all got me so bad, it's, again, it's that school thing. If y'all got me so bad, shit, take it to court. He go. So that's what we did. <laughs> so that's what we did. We went right to court with it. Uh, in June of 2004, Donald Craig goes to trial for kidnapping, rape, and aggravated murder. DNA evidence, along with Lavelle Calhoun's testimony, made for a pretty rock-solid case. He was found guilty on all charges and eventually sentenced to death. Mm. And Rosie Davenport's case is officially closed. But detectives had a sneaking suspicion they'd be talking to Dondi again. In 2004, Detective Gary Shady interviews a jailhouse informant who tells him a fellow inmate may be a good, may be good for a murder in 1995 that a girl was killed in West Akron and had been tied up, raped and strangled manually. After some asking around, he has quickly handed the case of Melissa Thomas, a 13 year old raped a 13 year old who was raped and murdered in 1995. For some reason, the informant wouldn't give the detective shady the name of the person who gave him the information. But after pulling his housing unit, he sees that Donald Craig is also in that cell block. Mm. Shady takes his information to the desk of the same cold case detective that pulled the swabs from Rosie Davenport's rape kit. And they both agreed that the two attacks were damn near identical, aside from the names on the case files. In December 2005, semen evidence is, reco- is recovered during Melissa uh, is, is recovered during Melissa's autopsy. I'm sorry. In 2005, semen evidence that was recovered during Melissa's autopsy is compared with Dondi Craig's DNA, which resulted in a perfect match. Mm. Dondi Craig is once again charged for the rape and murder of a young, innocent girl. Eight months later, the case goes to trial. In the summer of 2006, Donald Craig is found guilty for the rape and murder of Melissa Thomas. Good. On August 16th, he returns to court for sentencing. Sonia Merchant, Melissa's mother... After a decade, after over a decade of pain, got to look the man who took her child in the eyes and tell him the hurt that he caused the family and that she that she was glad that he can't hurt anyone else. She also said some other things. She she you know, she did the forgiveness thing, but not in like a nice way. Yeah. She was just like, you know, may God bless you and have mercy on you. That kind of thing. 
Um, it was actually really powerful. Um, when they do that, is that like a reverse tactic though? They actually oh, mean oh, it. They- most of the time, except for in the Botham John case with his brother and, and his father, they really, that was, they, they hugged her. Yeah. But I think most of the time it's, they're saying, fuck you. Yeah. God, God bless you and have mercy on you. So, but is it like a mind did. game for them to go, I didn't hurt them as much as I wanted to or something like that? You know what I mean? So like when, okay, you the killer uh-huh. and I'm the family that's saying, you know, God bless you, you know, send all this stuff to you. Uh-huh. But is it a mind game for you? I think you? they're hoping that breaks you. We're That's really, what I mean. Yeah, That's yeah. I, mean. I think they're hoping like it really makes you feel bad for what you did. Yeah. You know, because you can say all the things. I think he knows. But I mean, thing. like, because you know when if a killer does kill somebody and they yeah. go, you know, they get a kick out of the grief of the family. Sure. And they're like, we don't have any grief. We, have, we, we forgive you. Yeah. I don't know. I, it definitely is a reverse psychology. Yeah. What emotion they're trying to elicit, I don't really know. I would assume it's to make them feel bad. And go, oh man, like they forgave me. Oh my God, like I didn't expect this. How could you ever forgive me? Yeah. I get, you know, for what I did. But you know, maybe that's the maybe that works. But sometimes a lot of these dudes are so cold blooded and so um, um, sociopathic that it doesn't matter what you say. You yeah. could say fuck you. You could cry, or you could go, my kid's in a better place. Either way, they're not listening to you. They don't care. Mm-hmm. And it seemed to be the case with uh, with Donald Craig. He seemed unfazed by the whole thing. Um. So uh, at the end of the at the end of the sentencing, he's giving us he's given a second death sentence. And after the trial, after the trial, Sonia's family visited Melissa's memorial uh, to, you know, to pray. And at the end of the episode, she said that Melissa will never be forgotten. But the uh, but now with justice served, the family can start to move forward with their life because you kind of get stuck in that time and that grief and everything. And justice is served now. And we can try to move forward. The thing for me, though, I feel like. That doesn't do anything for me as far as the family. When somebody already has the death penalty because they yeah, killed somebody yeah, else yeah. and then you, they get another one, it's like... But the case is closed. I get it, but it's just... You know, you, you, can, you know what happened. I don't know, That's man. some kind of... Jo- you now know there's not but a child saying, killer though? still on the street. No, I get it. I wish they would have... I feel like if you, in, in a situation like this, you already have the death penalty, if they come around and catch you for something else and it's another death penalty, it should be like... We're putting you at the front of the list. You die tomorrow. That's what, but that that's exactly what I mean, though. It's yeah, like, like something they different. already they already serving death for one. Yeah, but what's but make not, it a twist? Not, yeah, it's make not, it some kind of twist. Right, to it's, it. that doesn't do any. I feel like that doesn't do anything for the for the the second family over sure, the second victim because he was going to die regardless. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but the first family should I get they get closure because okay, he's getting the death penalty for killing my child. Yeah. But then the second family, like, oh, he's getting another death penalty. Like, what is that? That's just it's no for me. I just don't think that's enough closure for me. He would have to get the death penalty or something. But, oh, he did get the death penalty, but he's okay. gonna die at the same time. Yeah, but I agree. Maybe it's like get, we're gonna yeah. take you out back and just do this today. Yeah, you know, I I I get that. Where yeah. now it's like the next victim feels like something happened to him different. Yeah, because he already had his date to die already. Yeah, before this trial for the second murder, what is happening different? Yeah, so now we're gonna extra kill you we were gonna just lethal injection yeah now we're gonna pull out the electric chair yeah now you get super death or something like that yeah again i'm not really for the death penalty i know that's not how things work but i'm just for other reasons but in the case of this person being a child killer he sends it to death i don't really care whatever kill him i don't i don't don't care but there's my reasons for being against the death penalty are outside of this but it doesn't really matter what you know if they would have 
how they would have yeah. killed him because Craig, Craig, uh, Donald Craig actually died in 2012 in a medical center at uh, at age 52 after spending seven months straight in the infirmary. Um, I never was really able to find out what he died from. I would assume maybe some kind of cancer or something like that. But he never like saw his day. He died, you know, and I'm sure he died a painful death. But he didn't like yeah. die of the lethal injection. So, and as we've known, we saw from. Can't remember what documentary we saw or a story that we did. Somebody, a kid, went and saw that do the lethal injection of like the guy that killed his mom. Yeah, and he's like, it didn't, it didn't do anything. It didn't do anything. So, you know, that justice in that, um, in that way sure can never really be people. served. You know, maybe, yeah. maybe I'd love to see a statistic on that. Yeah, because if it's like seventy percent of the time it, it doesn't do anything, it's like, well, then this is what is the what's the reason for this other than like just exterminating this person? They shouldn't be on the planet anymore, but then don't send out invitations to the people who's, if it's not going to do anything, yeah. you know, it's just, True. if anything, you're just traumatized by like seeing death in person. Even if it's a person you hate, it's still something. About well, it's not something. like he's getting electrocuted. It's just, it's yeah, just going to sleep. Yeah. 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 Sure. Um, yeah. But that was the story of Donald Craig, um, Melissa Thomas and Rosie Davenport. Yeah. And also, peace. yeah. And, um, also, um, uh, un, uh, I want to give uh, big props to the young lady who was sexually assaulted and came forward and testified and helped put this man uh, in in prison. Her testimony went yeah. a long way. And that's a bold move because that happens a lot. Yeah, you got to confront can't, and, you, and you confront your assailant. Bold, you got to yeah. look him in his eyes, yeah. you know. But I'm sure that was cathartic for her too. I'm sure she got some relief from that. Yeah. So big shout out to Lavelle Calhoun uh, for her bravery and going out and doing that. That was very powerful to have that moment because especially I'm, I can't imagine what she felt when she goes. He's out, yeah. Because she thought he yeah. was. She thought he was in prison when they approached her in 2002. When they looked at his case file, because they were going to go talk to him about Rosie Davenport. Yeah, they come to her and they're like, "Yeah, um, the guy that raped you in, in 1991. Uh, can you tell us about that?" They're like, yeah, da 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 da. He went to trial. I had to testify at the trial, and they're like, "Yeah, well, he's a. We think he raped a girl in 1996." And she was like, "What do you mean? Yeah, he's in jail, right?" No, he, I mean, he's now, but he, he wasn't, they, something happened and he was let out right after you went to, did all that stuff. So now she has to feel the injustice of, oh, so they just let him out after he raped me. Yeah. So I think that had to help her in some kind of way. And I hope it did. Yeah. So, um, shout out to all of them. Everybody knows about cold case files. It's a great show. Um, and, uh, so yeah, that was my affirmative murder this week. What we're going to do is we're going to take a, uh, no, we're not taking a break. We're going to get into these good vibes. That's right, folks. It's time for another Good Vibes segment. We're here to spread some positivity and some some wonderful energy. And I can't think of a better way to kick things off before I throw it over to Fran than with my Good Vibes story of the man who's taken over 2020. Uh, the Ocean Spray TikTok skater man has uh, received his uh, his blessings from Ocean Spray. Okay, For those of you who are not familiar, a man who went viral on TikTok for skateboarding to Fleetwood Mac's song Dreams while drinking a large bottle of ocean spray, uh, cran raspberry juice, was gifted a new truck by the brand. Uh, Nathan Apodaca debuted the new wheels on Instagram and TikTok on Tuesday. It came with a letter that said, Dear Nathan, good vibes only. Love, ocean spray. A note on the bright red truck reads, uh, the reads, oh, a note on the uh, big red truck read, the bed of the truck was filled with cases of his favorite drink. In the video, Apodaca skateboards up 
to a man getting into a truck, fights him out of the driver's seat, and gets in and drives off. Apodaca's original video, which was posted on which which was posted on views. Wait, I'm sorry. Apodaca's original video, which was posted on views so far. I don't know what that means. Anyway, he now has 2.1 million followers on the video sharing app. Mm. Uh, it is responsible for causing a surge of streams of the 1977 song, putting it back on the charts, specifically the daily version of the Rolling Stones Top 100. Wow. After more than 40 years. Fleetwood Mac even is a fan of, the, of his music video. Mick Fleetwood, who is 73, recreated the clip this week. Apodaca is a self-proclaimed happy hippie who lives in Idaho, has also raked in cash since the... That's what I'm talking about. I'm about to say, they better, yeah, they better write that man a check. He's also raked in cash since since going viral. He told TMZ he raised $10,000, which should be... Uh, it should be going up. I yeah. hope it, it definitely will continue to go up. He has ra he's raised $10,000 so far in donations from the video, which he planned to spend on a new RV. His current home and ride, and ride has... Oh, his current home and ride has 300,000 miles on it, and is unreliable, which is why he is riding his longboard uh, to that faith. He watched, which is why he was riding his longboard that fateful afternoon. He made the TikTok. So this is just a spur of the moment thing. He really was just vibing to work or wherever he was yeah. going because his car broke, his van and home had broke down, and he just hopped on his longboard and was drinking some ocean spray and vibing out to some Fleetwood Mac. Uh, yeah, that's about that's about all there is. Now, what I'll say is. Big blessings to him. This this video is, is very filled with many positive, good vibes and energy. And um, let me turn this down for a second before I throw it over to you. Um, I was going to put together on Twitter a thread of people who have caused an influx in businesses based on just free viral marketing. Um, I didn't really get around to it because I didn't feel like it. I was kind of lazy. <laughs> but the first person that came to mind was the guy, Patty Pie Guy. Right, okay. so this guy yeah. does his patty pie video. He just does it at home. He just, just uh, spur of the moment. Let me just get a pie. Yeah. I heard Patty Labelle has pies. I'm a big fan of Patty Labelle. Patty Labelle does the video. Video goes crazy. Can't get a patty pie. They're not on the shelves. You, you can't find one. Patty Labelle, she got approached by TMZ. She goes, well, I thank him for doing his video, but you know, people bought the pie. They're my pies. They bought the pies because they like the pie. She didn't want to give him his credit. That would piss me off. Eventually, people bullied her into yeah. then, he, then you start seeing him. He started showing up to a couple of her concerts. She gave him some gifts. She had to relent because she eventually had to recognize that the whole Patty, that whole thing, people wanted to hop on the trend and get it. But initially, she was like, people bought the pies because I'm Patty LaBelle. And see. he, he might have helped a little like bit. He might have helped a little bit because people were coming up to her like, so are you going to give him some money? And I was like, um, no, I'm not doing any of that. Now, big shouts out to Ocean Spray for looking out for dude. I think the truck could have been a little bit better. Yep. I, I had a discussion with somebody on Twitter about how Ocean Spray is like a co-op and it's not just one business making the money and there's a lot of money that needs to be spread around. Ocean Spray isn't as profitable as it may seem. What I and that may be true. But what I will say is in the scheme in the terms in terms of profitability, they definitely had $65,000 to spare. Yeah. They could have bought him a new RV or a better truck. Now, they got him a truck. The truck works and he's a guy of low means. And I'm sure he loves Ocean Spray, but they bought him so much. They gave him so much Ocean Spray, he doesn't even have anywhere to store it. Probably, yeah. you know. Now I hope people continue to give to his GoFundMe's and all this kind of stuff because a guy, people need to know the worth of their intellectual property. This dude might be just doing a thing, but people have gravitated onto it, 
and he needs to know how to he needs to know how to sell that. I hope yeah. somebody gets in this corner and allows him to make the most of what he's selling, yeah. right? Because he is selling himself, the energy, him dancing. I've seen other TikToks of him, and people like it. So capitalize on your moment and make the most of their time because there's other companies, like I said, in in his free campaign that he did for Ocean Spray, yeah. which wasn't a campaign. He just loves Ocean Spray and did a thing and it blew up, right? They got the guy who made wrote the song to do the commercial. He's drinking Ocean Spray. Not only that, but his TikTok shot the song up the, the sales. Chart, yeah. Right? So he helped Ocean Spray. He helped Fleetwood Mac. I saw one where somebody did a, a Halloween version of the thing and it's a pumpkin head and they pour a pumpkin spice latte down their head, down their, down the face of the jack-o'-lantern. It's like mm-hmm. a jack-o'-lantern man riding a skateboard. So now other companies are using his marketing campaign in different ways. Yeah. Take out the ocean spray at the Starbucks. So he's created a viral sensation that is worth millions of dollars in marketing and research. And it a would, used truck. And he got a used truck and ocean spray. Nah, man, that ain't enough. It's not enough, especially when they can they can physically see, visually see the, the sales, sales spike. 100%. Like that's crazy. You can time it to when the TikTok <laughs> blew up, and it it clearly it clearly meets his thing that he did, blowing up their sales. Right. So I don't know if Ocean Spray is going to cut him a check. I don't know if Mick Fleetwood's going to cut him a check. But yes. I hope he gets somebody in his corner that goes, "Hey, man, listen, I'm going to be your manager. Don't do anything differently." Just keep making TikToks and I'll make the deals. Yeah. You can go dance at this car dealership. You're going to go do this for Starbucks. You're going to go just do your vibes, do it in a good year blimp t-shirt and they'll pay you to give your, I hope that happens for him because the moment goes like that. Yeah. So I hope he capitalizes and makes the most money because every time I get on Twitter, they're sharing him dancing and skateboarding and all these people love his energy. So I hope that he gets the right people in his corner for him to capitalize and make them get him the best RV you can get him. Shit, if he doesn't want to live in an RV, get him a house. Yeah. Maybe he's just living in an RV because that's all he can you afford. You can't tell me they can't spare that. No way. That's that's what I said. Now, the information that I got about Ocean Spray maybe not being the most profitable company because, you know, they kind of work for the, the farmers. and all, I understand all that, but they just, their sales spiked through the roof. People are buying Ocean Spray just to do the video. Yeah. They might even not even drink the whole Ocean Spray. They're just drinking it for a second for the TikTok, but that's a sale. Yep. Mick Fleetwood... I'm sure he gets a check from somebody gets a check when the song shoots up to the number or one. Or is he something? Something's going on. Cut that man a check. Ten thousand dollars doesn't seem like a lot of money to me. We've spoken on this podcast about people getting thirty five thousand dollars because somebody spoke to them um, really meanly at Starbucks. Yeah. Yep. So I need this dude in six figures. I need him getting a real life changing amount of money because the amount of money that you know you, you know but him getting that uh huh. It's not. It won't even amount how much money they nothing, make. Nothing, nothing, nothing. <laughs> That's the crazy part. Nothing. But ten thousand dollars is a drop in the bucket. Yep. If it was a hundred thousand dollars, it would still not amount to the amount of sales and, yep. and 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 um marketing that they got from him. You know the flow, uh, progressive commercials. Yeah. Do you know how much research and and development and and marketing research went into figuring out that that was uh people like that? And it works. Yeah. That he did all that for free. He skipped all of that. Nobody had to go into a room and go, what if we put ocean spray? What if we make uh, an ocean of ocean spray and a guy surfing on the ocean spray? You know those dumbass commercials people are making? Yeah. What celebrity can we get? He skipped all of that. He gave you millions of dollars in free promo. And they got him a a Nissan truck? Nah. 
you know, it's still good vibes. Cause I wasn't gonna be the one to say because when, no. when we brought up, when we was talking about it, you was like, "I'll say it." Yeah, <laughs> no, it's it's still good vibes because yeah, yeah, yeah. he's better off than he was the day before he made yep. that TikTok. But I'm just saying, I want the blessings to keep going. Yeah, because I want people to really understand how much money he saved that company yep. and how much profits he brought to that company, to Mick Fleetwood, to all kinds of people. Because I haven't seen Ocean Spray commercial in a while. I didn't even know they still made Ocean. I don't like cranberries. So I don't have any reason to know anything about cranberry <laughs> juice. But, but I know they had commercials. I'm just saying I haven't seen one. In you know something? The last commercials I'm familiar with is me being a kid and the guy standing in the ocean of cranberries. Maybe that's with, it. The, with the waiters on. Yeah. And he's like, we make ocean spray. I think that might have been last That's the I last think. time. I, because I think they just kind of accepted either people drink cranberry juice or they don't. Yeah. So why spend money on marketing? Boom. Free million dollar marketing campaign. Dropped onto your lap for free. Yep. And they when gave an app that's like, that's the most popular app out right now. And now you got everybody, every TikTok is somebody riding a skateboard. Holding the ocean spray. Yep. You got that for free. And they gave him, I, I, I don't want to continue to shit on his good vibes, because it is good vibes. But it also looked like an old work truck. Yeah. It had like ocean spray labels on it. You know, so it wasn't even like a brand new truck. So I'm just saying, that's a great start. Give that man what he's due. You know how much money he saved you with a viral marketing campaign. You know how much money people pay for, like a Super Bowl ad? He did that for free. <laughs> so pay that man. Yeah. And it's still good vibes. Again, the dude's energy is a fantastic, man. So um his his TikTok account is uh 420 dogface 208. You can find him and get his vibes. He's all over Twitter. People taking the videos from TikTok and putting them on Twitter. Shout out to Nathan Apodaca. And I hope you continue to get rained down with blessings, man, because anybody that's uh, spreading good vibes and positivity, I'm a hundred percent for. Fran, I'm going to go ahead and kick that over to you. Oh, I, I forgot it was my thing. <laughs> um, so my uh, good vibe this week. Um, uh, so Greek mythology is filled with tales of heroic strength. Yes. And a singular, singularly uplifting modern day version of Atlas come to life on courageous. One courageous athlete recently climbed Mount Olympus, oh. home to the ancient gods, carrying a disabled comrade to the summit with him piggyback style. Oh, wow. Long distance runner uh, Marios. Yanku has a long track record of taking on challenges. He trekked 168 miles across the Al Almorum Desert and also took first place in the frigid 93 mile cross country race in Antarctica. Mm. Prior to his last endeavor, he'd already successfully had taken the view from top of Mount Olympus highest, highest peak 50 times. Mm. When Yanku met and befriended 22 year old biology student Elithra Tosio um, and learned learned of her dream to experience the summit herself it seemed natural that he was more than ready to rise to the occasion he said for me all international races the medals and the distinctions um so far mean little compared to this to this goal wow when to securely harnessed in a in a specially modified backpack young along with an eight member support team started the trip um, of olympus tallest peak mount meticus when they reached 2,400 meters, the party stopped to rest. After making camp for the night, they resumed the climb at 6 a.m. the following morning. Mm. Three hours later at 9.02 local time, having put in more than 10 hours climbing, climbing until the triumphant pair reached 2,918 meter summit. There is nothing more real than the, than, than the dream and ecstatic Yanku posted in his um, Instagram. Mm. It's heartening um, to know... To know that while we generally think of heroes as stuff of myth and legend, there are actually ones, there are actually some shining examples 
like Mario's Yanku, who exists in real life as well. So there's an Instagram picture of it's just him. He has her on his on his back. Uh-huh. Got the um, what's this like? Uh, like a little walking stick. What's this? Uh, what what flag is this? Greek? Oh, no, I think that's Sweden. 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 I think. I, it wait, is. I don't. Hold on, let me, hold on. That's, a good, that's a good question. Greek flags on my back. No, it's Greek flag. Yeah, oh, okay. my bad. My bad. All right. Yeah, it's the Greek flag. Yeah, it makes sense. They're Greek. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So he got the flag and they going up the mountain like, and that's a. I'm, I'm guessing it was a two day trip because he had sure. to stay the night or a day and a half. Yeah. Which is which is nuts. But Rooms. for him to go, um, come he, on, he meets somebody yeah. that has a dream to you know, and they handicapped so they can't do it. Yeah, let's for him get to it. Do it. Have my back. Let's let's do it. Let's like, get this. So that's that's. I think that's pretty cool. For sure. Um, it's something about those like. Those journeys, I don't think you've ever... Have you watched Free Solo yet? No. Man, it's just... It gives you anxiety just to see somebody do that kind of stuff. So I couldn't imagine doing it. You know, those treks and going through all these different summits and everything like that. Um, so, yeah, he's that's, that's a strong dude, and I think that's really cool. Yeah. That he helps somebody fulfill their dream like that. So shout out to him. Um, I, I won't go on any kind of rant about the negativity of that, because there is none. But again, yeah. my, boy, my boy, Mr. Apodaca... Get him a fucking, a fucking Toyota Tacoma or something. You know something. what I mean? Get him, get him a new truck, man. That truck didn't even look like it had Bluetooth in it. Yeah, y'all don't, even, y'all, y'all don't got no type of sponsorship to deals or something. Y'all can get a free truck or something. Bro. That's crazy, man. Yeah. Get that man a used truck. <laughs> Unbelievable. Pay that man with the. I want hashtag pay Apodaca, man. I want that man to be fulfilling and seeing the fruits of his labor. He bro. might be fine, but I'm not. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. He seems like a dude <laughs> of low means. Where he's just yeah, like, yeah. I didn't have a truck. I got a truck, man. So that's cool. It's like, no, nah, man, fuck that. You deserve more. Yeah. They're fucking you. Yep. Even if you you didn't sign up, they you didn't sign anything, they're not actually fucking you. But I don't like the idea that they know they're fucking him. Yeah. Where it's like, oh my God, I got all this free fucking marketing for nothing, man. We all you had to do was give him 100 uh, ocean sprays in an old truck. Fucking nice, man. Mick Fleetwood did it. Oh my God, we're killing it. And does he like write those off? The, Is that how that donation? Works? Probably. Yeah. <laughs> Wrote it off as a, as a tax break. Oh, yeah, we donated to a, a guy who doesn't have a car. Yeah, mm-hmm. man. But, you know, that's beautiful. And shout out to all those people. Shout out to your Good Vibe Story. Shout out to Mr. Apodaca. Shout out to him. And uh, let's all, as always, every, every year, it's fuck Christopher Columbus. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you know, I was going to, I was contemplating on not releasing this because it's a holiday. But because it's. I don't think last year we did. Did we last year? We might not have. <laughs> You know what, man? Fuck it, man. Yeah. Cause fuck that dude, man. If you don't listen, if you're not listening to this on a Monday, cause you're enjoying your day off, you know, catch it when you catch it. But um, I've been Alvin Williams, joined as always by my partner, True Crown Franco yeah. Evans, and we'll Peace. see you guys next week. Shout out to the Lakers, LeBron Shout James. Out. Come on, let's go, LBJ, Lakers and six.
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. <laughs> 